This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is Jeff Gobb here at PWG for Tremendous, I don't even know the name of the show, but you're listening to Busted Wide Open. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 127. I'm Nick Howell. And still distraught over the breakup of the mega powers, I am Sir Ian Dangerous. Oh. And welcome to the show. Justice justice for Macho Man. <laughs> yes. Justice for Macho Man. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, welcome to the show this week, everybody. Uh, we have quite the show today we are counting down the days to wrestlemania we're getting very close it's the big time of year and there's a lot going on so there's a lot we have to discuss not only on raw and smackdown and recapping all of that nxt had a a major seismic shift this week which we, we we knew was coming but they dealt with it on tv this week and new japan has its new japan cup continuing to roll forward and by Nick, our our news segment, which we usually put at the end of the show this week, is it's packed. It's huge this week. There's so much news going on. We have listener questions as well. Tons of listener questions this week, which is awesome. We have to get to all of that. So let's not waste any more time and get to a little housekeeping before we dive into the show. Yes, as always, guys, be sure you're in the Facebook discussion group. You're going to want to be there because we do live chats for every pay-per-view. And Ian, we've got this little pay-per-view coming up that... I think everybody's going to want to be a part of it. It's WrestleMania. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. We will that be is having a live up, chat for WrestleMania on Sunday, as well as TakeOver New York the night before. So the only way to get into those is to be in our Facebook discussion group. Head on over, search for Busted Wide Open. You will find us there. Send us a join request and get in and hang out with all of our lovely fans and listeners in weekly chat threads and discussion threads around all of the WWE main shows. You can also find us over on Twitter at BWO Podcast, YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. Be sure to hit that notification bell because we're going live again very soon. And last but certainly not least, thank you to all of our wonderful patrons. And if you'd like to get in on some of that action, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of our awesome reward tiers, get access to show notes, bonus episodes, and the ability to ask questions to be answered by myself and Sir Ian right here on the show every single week. But Ian, I, I, I can't, almost can't wait to get into the WrestleMania stuff because it really, we shifted into third gear uh, this week for sure as things wound up. But, but first, we've got to talk about the big news. So we have an AEW 
double or nothing update. That's right. We have breaking news. Breaking news about AEW double or nothing. And that news is your boy got some tickets. I will be going to double or nothing. We will have presence. We will have BWO presence at double or nothing. Surrey and dangerous AEW. Surrey and dangerous AEW. You heard heard it here first. Uh, No, that... (laughs) That that is our big news this week. Is that I'm looking uh, at you very sternly right now? Yeah. Well, you know. Listen, you better not be going to hang out with Conrad because we 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 won't have business. I I promise nothing. I oh. I will say nothing either way. I will say a big thank you to uh to show host and uh, uh what well, contributor our, our our very own Judith Brooke Curtis pulled some strings and got us these tickets. So uh, yeah. Yes, that, that founder was, of the B Dub Club. Founder of the B Dub Club, former pro wrestler herself. So bad ace, bad ass. Yes. We're going to we're going Putting to double work, or nothing. JB. So that will be we, we will be reporting live from Las Vegas come the end of May. So that keep a keep tuned in to your boys because we will be uh, on the ground floor at Double or Nothing. We'll see how much presence we can get there. Um, but that does it for the big news, Nick. That's and it's kind of a joke segment, but like obviously, I, I'm excited we're going to be there. Um, <laughs> well, it's big news for the show. It's we're big news for the show, there. and uh, to all of our fans, if any of you guys are going to be there, please make sure to hit us up, and we will hook up at some point. But Nick, that aside, as you said, lots of WrestleMania stuff to discuss. Let's head on over and talk about Monday Night Raw. Well, I have to say, Ian, uh, I was uh, last week. I was a little kind of, eh, is this really how it's going to be? This week, they they shifted gears, and on both shows, we saw major developments around matches, title contentions, the works when it comes to WrestleMania this year. I mean, it was very WrestleMania focused this week. I actually thought last week was a better show in terms of entertainment and watchability. But this week, they definitely put a lot of the WrestleMania build forward at the forefront on Raw specifically. Uh, And it started off right at the top with you had Seth Rollins and uh, Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman coming out of the top of the show and cutting another Paul Heyman promo about whoever's going to face the Beast next. And out came Seth to retort. And uh, so this was, you know, this ended up becoming... Um, something else entirely because yeah. at this point, Drew McIntyre has, you know, he put Roman Reigns out of commission this week, quote unquote, he drove him into a ring post concussion, blah, blah, blah. Um, and Drew McIntyre now is getting up in Seth Rollins's face. And his point is that he's now taking out the shield again. And they're positioning Drew McIntyre to be the number two heel behind Brock Lesnar, which means he's the number one heel who's regularly on raw. So he even used the line, this is his, this is my yard now. Like he stole Roman's line. <laughs> well, it feels like, you know, there was a time, I think end of last year, actually it was before Roman's leukemia announcement in October. Uh I I my long game was Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre for the Universal title at Mania. And uh, yeah, that was a long way out. Six six plus months out. Yeah, we were saying but, Drew we were saying Drew to main event WrestleMania a while back. Yeah, so yeah, probably right after SummerSlam, we started in with all of that because it, he just came out hot, and it's looking that way. It's looking like Roman Reigns is going to end up being Drew McIntyre's opponent at WrestleMania, you know, barring any medical 
things that might happen or come up. It's been announced. It's It's been announced that that's the official match. Um, But we did see a lot of business between Seth and Drew this week. Uh, When Drew came out to talk to Paul and Brock, Seth came out from behind him and beat him down with a chair pretty viciously and chased off off Brock Lesnar. And then the, uh, the main event of the show was Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre, which was an entertaining match, but ultimately ended with Brock Lesnar coming out, distracting Seth and costing him the win, which... To be honest, all was kind of underwhelming to me. I liked Seth's beatdown of, of Drew, and Drew looked good throughout all of this. You know, he had a great yeah. promo before the match with Seth. Uh, but overall, like this, it was it was kind of by the numbers. You know what I mean? Nothing really stood out as being spectacular here. Is is the Claymore the most protected move in WWE right now? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely what would you not. say is no? There's a bunch that are that are that are, no one's kicked out of or even come close to kicking out of or anything like okay. that. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch. You know, you got Black Mass, End of Days, uh, the 630. Um, you've got, uh, oh, gee, the, what's his fisherman buster called? The, uh, Buddy Elias? Murphy's, Buddy Murphy, Murphy's oh, Law. Murphy's, Murphy's Law. Law. You know, you got a bunch of them that are really, the, the coup de grace by Finn Balor is really protected. Like, there's a lot of really protected moves. Uh, right now, and I wouldn't say the Claymore is any higher up on that, but uh, but he does, but he does, you know, he has put himself in a position now. They put him in a position where he comes across as an absolute threat. You know, they replayed his taking out of Ambrose last week, his taking out of Reigns. So going into Mania, he does seem like a threat. Is Roman versus Drew for nothing? Just just a singles match. Is that exciting? I mean, is, is that as exciting as if they had a belt involved? Or do you think, <laughs> and this, I shudder to say this, do you think that they're going to actually take Finn's, or excuse me, Lashley's belt off of him before WrestleMania and give it to either Drew or uh, Roman? It would be an improvement. Oh, ow, 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 ow. But they're saving that moment so we can have Demon Finn come out at WrestleMania. You think? Because I Duh. think I don't know. I don't know at this oh, point. Oh come I, on! No, I don't, dude. After the last few years, we have seen what they are willing to do to get Roman over, and they will sacrifice everyone and everything else on the roster to get him the biggest push possible. That hasn't changed with his leukemia. So just because you know he he's back and everyone's kind of likes him now, even Chicago likes him, then yeah. That, that doesn't mean that they're not going to still throw everything at him. So I'm not convinced that we're just, it's just going to be Roman and Drew, and that's it. I, I'm expecting a stipulation. I'm expecting a belt. Something might still get added to this. I can totally see a stipulation being added to it, but I don't think they're going to just take the Intercontinental title off of Lashley and screw over Finn Balor again. Wait. You yeah, don't, they might actually you don't do think that. that? <laughs> <laughs> I want you to they, listen. They might actually Stop, do that. Stop. <laughs> listen to yourself. Yep. No. So I, I think there's still more to be done here with Drew and Roman. I don't, I don't know that they're just going to leave it as a singles match. Um, yeah. So as, as much as they're already throwing at the wall, I think there's more to throw. You know, we've already seen this WrestleMania season be very packed with stuff, to put it mildly. But um, do you think they should have kept Roman out this week, or do you think he needed to be more part of the build, or do you think it might have been health-related? Uh, I th- well, yes. I absolutely think he had to go for a checkup or something. Uh, and it was, oh, he's out with a concussion because of the actions of Drew McIntyre last week, which just heated up Seth. you know. And I think that 
they played it out the right way. Put it, put all of it on Seth. Let him carry it. Let his energy continue to carry it. Parlay some of that onto the match with Brock, and and it it was executed pretty well. I agree that the underwhelming part of it on the, in the, as part of the main event had Brock come out and gotten physical and like somehow taken out Drew in the process just to get it. Seth that would have that would have taken it up a notch. But we've got a couple weeks left. I'm not ruling yeah. something like that out. I expect physicality to happen to some extent. Um, over the next couple of weeks as we as we close in on Mania. Yeah, frankly, just you know, the fact that Brock comes there and does nothing for a paycheck. He literally stands there and does nothing the entire show. Uh is a little frustrating still. Like, you know, whatever whatever they're trying to build him to be, if they are trying to build this fan animosity towards him, uh, it's it's being too effective and I don't think in a way that they want it to be. No, you know, people it, used to like go to, away at this point. Yeah, people used to like to 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 boo Brock because he was a bad man. Well, secretly being like he's pretty badass. And now everyone's just like, dude, just go away. If you really don't want to yeah. do this that badly, stop. You know, if you just want to make a ton of money and not do anything, there's lots of people who want to make a ton of money and do stuff. So just go back to your farm or fight in UFC. Like we don't care. And unfortunately, that is that's the that's the mentality that's starting to really become set in around Brock and that's the general perception and I think that if that I'd gets, say it's been there for a good year at, this at point. least and if it gets too codified he's never going to be able to come out from underneath that you know that's always going to he's going to be kind of colored by that for a long time going forward and there's no and frankly given his work ethic in WWE he's never going to really come out from underneath that so it's unfortunate uh speaking of having their personality colored by their actions Ronda Rousey also had some business this week on the show. Uh, she had a match last week. She beat up Dana Brooke. This week, she actually gave her a real match. And Dana get, uh, had a little, uh, I want to say it was a babyface fire promo backstage, but she didn't really deliver it that well, unfortunately. No. Um, I, 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 I'm going to take a second to talk about Dana Brooke because I liked her a lot back in NXT. I thought she had a ton of promise. She cut good promos. She was learning in the ring, but they were good at covering her weaknesses. Uh, she had a great look, and I don't know what happened between the 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 facial. I don't know if it's surgery or injections, but her face has gone seven different ways from Sunday. You know, her 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 top lip is like looks like Daffy Duck right now, and it's not just her look. Uh, it's also her delivery. It's the way she carries herself. There's something, there's something going on with Dana Brooke right now. And it's, it's worrisome to me for her as a performer. Yeah. Because I, I, I think she still does have a ton of potential because she's incredibly athletic. Um, and she can be really, you know, very engaging in the ring. Um, I think when she got to the ring and started just projecting to the audience physically, she was a lot better than what she was giving us backstage. But just taking a moment to kind of, you know, I don't want to meltzer myself here, but I, I, I do worry about Dana on the main roster right now. I'm, so. I'm, I mostly share the same sentiments, and I, I've been pretty outspoken in favor of Dana Brooke for, for some time now. But it was a little bit troublesome the past couple of weeks. Uh, she took to Instagram as well and wrote a small novel uh, last week about how she never got a chance. And sure, all that stuff's great. Uh, you know, babyface kind of content. But I, and we want to see opportunities like this but it needs to be groomed. It needs to be ready. And and I well, this but is the, the first is, time I've had second thoughts about whether or not Dana Brooke was ready because any other time I would have said, yeah, yes. she's ready. She's been mostly overlooked. Give her that chance. And I'm not 
I don't know if I'm there anymore. Well, and this is the problem is what's what's always the cliche now ever since the Stone Cold podcast with Vince McMahon. Grab the brass ring. They gave her an opportunity to be on TV, and all she had to do was come, you know, say her lines and come across like a fiery baby face who finally got her chance. And that's not what we got. We got someone who kind of bumbled over her lines and, you know, didn't quite give us that. Yeah. So that's that's worrisome. Conversely, Ronda Rousey came into the arena flanked by her husband, which is uh, Travis Brown. If you don't know him, he's a heavyweight over in UFC and a legit bad man. Um, and they were met by a whole bunch of security surrounding referee John Cohn, who told Ronda there's going to be none of that nonsense we had last week where they're slapping that ref. Not going to happen again. Oh, no. She'll get a fine, and she'll get dragged off by security, and she just rolled her eyes and walked away, and he was left to kind of trail behind her and yell at her as she walked off into the ring, uh, which was great stuff. This yeah. was great stuff. I liked the character that that delivered of Ronda Rousey without her saying a word. Um, I liked the fact that it wasn't it wasn't the authority per se. You got the feeling that WWE as a company was suddenly scared of her, uh, and that even like the the employees that were non talent that were not that were the referees and whatnot were now starting to think of her in a different light as well. That was all good stuff. Yeah, and even with the beginning of her match with Dana Brooke, where she just you know Dana actually you know dodged the kick that took her out last week and then slapped Ronda in the face. Rhonda became a, a, an animal, put her in the arm bar, and then re- refused to let it go, twisting Dana's arm in a really gnarly-looking way. It f- looked fantastic, and Dana screaming, sold it well. Like I said, once she got into the ring, Dana was great this week. Um, and then what, finally, once they got Rhonda off Dana, she went outside of the ring, surrounded by security. They're all trying to like hustle her around, and uh, she goes and, and smooches Travis, who's ringside. Someone puts a hand on her. She slaps the one guy. Another guy puts a hand on her. Travis... Her husband throws a serious stiff elbow into this dude's face that I swear to God, if it didn't knock him out cold, that's some good selling because man, that looked, it looked like, <laughs> it looked good. He laid it in, he laid it in. And then he picked up Rhonda who was just like screaming and flailing around, picked her up, pulled her over the guardrail and they both walked out of the building. So Nick, let's break this down. <laughs> So break they, it down. Break it down. Travis Brown, do you think his involvement will continue because the three-way at WrestleMania is no DQ? Now, they have said that he is currently banned from the from the arenas. Like on Twitter, they announced Travis Brown is now banned from the arenas. Do you think that's going to continue, or is there a storyline here? Was just, this is just one week. Are, are we making our WrestleMania picks and predictions uh, No, already? I'm just curious about why involve Travis Brown. Was it just to, to kill time on the road to WrestleMania? Why involve Miz's dad? You know, I don't know. For, it, well, it, it, Miz's dad, well, we'll get to that on SmackDown, but that was for emotional benefit. And so, and frankly, as of SmackDown, it worked. Yeah, sure. All right. So is he going to be a recurring theme? I don't think so. I think something else is going to come into play at WrestleMania, but I'm not ready to disclose that just oh, yet. Oh, for crying out loud. Way to keep us salivating. All right. I see how it is. Well, okay. Since this you was fine. Since I, I you won't so, answer my question, I'll answer it. I don't know. I'll if, answer it in a different way. All right, continue. Uh, I, I, I think the interaction was fine. The smooch was unnecessary. I liked that okay. she went over to him for his kind of approval and that he was, you know, a man and defended her and, you know, don't put hands on my woman, unga bunga. You know, <laughs> it's fine. I love that. But, you know, very caveman of him and very, like, old school. I, I can respect that. As a southern gentleman myself, uh-huh. I can respect that. Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, I, it's going to get long in the tooth because it's just it's seeing him walking out, 
you know, with his swagger and his head tilted back. And I was just like, okay, this got milked way too long. It, it just took way too long to happen. The thing with Dana in the ring was fantastic. I wish it would have just ended there with her walking out. I don't like the idea that they involved yet another person on the other side of the barricade because they're making that's starting to feel a little bit like a trope at this point. It is a trope, and it's been a trope for decades. And it will continue to be a trope. I'm just going to warn you right now. That's going to be a uh, thing. But that being said, I'm wondering how much more of a trope it's going to be in this feud. I, my, my opinion is it was just a one-off because they've, you know, they've got to get us through to WrestleMania. They want to sure. draw in the UFC crowd. So that's what I think it is. I think it's their way of drawing in the UFC crowd. Look, Travis Brown was on WWTV. Now they're interested in this match. They're trying. It's WrestleMania season. They are trying everything they can to get every eye possible on this product right now. So this was another way to do that, I think. I don't know if Travis Brown will continue to have involvement, and frankly, I don't care. That's all this was to me, and it was, frankly, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, what was not as fun to me was uh, the Bailey and Sasha segment, which uh, you know we had to have at some point. But uh, <sighs> this... So... Bailey and Sasha came out to once again talk about how they how great they are. They said that they they are not dodging the iconics. They will be on SmackDown Live this week, and they were, and we'll get to that. But uh, in the middle of talking about this, while they're about to announce their WrestleMania opponents, out comes Natalia and Beth Phoenix. Long story short, turns out Beth Phoenix is back from retirement. And the Divas of Doom are reunited, and they are going to face Bailey and Sasha at WrestleMania. Because so, they couldn't find anybody else. Uh, you know what? <laughs> well, frankly, honestly, who else feels like a WrestleMania level of opponent? The I'm, Iconics. The Iconics. Well, they don't feel like that until after SmackDown. But again, we'll get to that. Okay. Um, what I saw getting set up here was the fact that Beth Phoenix returning is one of the most exciting things about the women's division that I've seen in at least you know this level of the card and especially surrounding the tag belts in a while. That's exciting. The audience was excited. I was excited. Uh, Beth Phoenix is injecting this with a lot more excitement than you get from Bailey and Sasha, who frankly, when they delivered their promos, uh, they might as well be on Ambien. Have you forgotten the last eight months of Becky Lynch? I'm talking about this. I said this level of the card, not the top of the card, not the top oh, women. Uh, okay. This level where we've had, where we had the riot squad versus Bailey and Natasha, Bailey and Natasha, Bailey and Sasha for the, for six months straight. They had like, they had a, a, some sort of combination of Bailey and Sasha match five times a week for four months. That's a, that's a, that's a fact. That is a statistic. That's insane. This was another snooze fest. I took a nap. I just, <laughs> You know, well, I know why Nick took a nap because Nia came out. Nia Jax came out to run this no, all that, down. That woke me up. Oh, did, oh, I, for, I forgot. Right now that you have the Nia Shrine coming at your place, you're now a big fan of Nia Jax. So right. Nia Jax and Tamina basically they ran down all the women. There was a big brawl to end this segment. Here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a fatal four way of women tag teams at WrestleMania. The Iconics will be involved as well. Right now, you've got Beth Phoenix and Natalia, Sasha and Bailey. the name of their tag team, I will not say, and you've got uh, Nia Jackson, Tamina, who every once in a while are called the Samoan Slaughterhouse, which I'm not mad at. But uh, yeah, fatal four-way between those four tag teams at WrestleMania. 
Does that does if it was just what do you prefer? Just Divas of Doom versus Sasha and Bailey or all four? What do you think sounds better? All four, because at least it gives somebody that's actually a legit tag team a shot. Yeah, I agree. Did you now? Do you think the Riot Squad was kind of the sacrificial lambs here because they did yes. all the, they did all the work all year, but now they've been now it's like okay, cool. Thanks for keeping this alive for five six months. Thanks for having twenty seven matches against Sasha and Bailey for the last six months. Uh, you don't get a title shot. Congratulations. More than twenty seven, <laughs> but yeah, not not even now you're not even involved. You know, and that's right. that's kind of the bummer to me is they were they were just there to keep things alive and then now they're not even involved i don't know if you know they they should be or not frankly i've i've always had a bit of an issue with their their gimmicks but uh that's that's beside the point that's for another discussion but um yeah that, it is a bit of a bummer given the amount of work they put in right but speaking of speaking of work being put in kurt angle kurt angle mm. has announced he will have his retirement match at wrestlemania he did that last week and this week he was going to give his WrestleMania opponent, Nick, I can't even say it. Do you want to do you want to say who his WrestleMania opponent is? Chad Gable. That is incorrect. That was his that was his opponent this Monday on Raw, uh, which was return a returning Jason Jordan. No, no. Uh, unfortunately, he's still I, I, injured. I know uh, John Cena. That, well, that's going to be the, John Cena. Oh, you mean that was that was the one that everyone wanted to see? That would have been yeah. like the great coming around of John Cena's career and Kurt Angle's career. Like it would have been a poetic finish to everything and we could have seen Kurt get beat by John Cena or the other way around and either outcome would have been fantastic and poetic and wonderful and everyone really wanted that. They would have hugged that. it out and it been sportsmanship and yeah. it would have been a great moment in the middle of it. Nope! Oh, is that not what it was? What, 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 what was it, Nick? Baron Corbin, again. <laughs> Baron Corbin. Which, to be fair today, breaking news, there, are, there is rumor and speculation and speculation and rumor and scuttlebutt that because of the negative backlash of that announcement on Monday, they're reconsidering it. Well, they should. I mean, okay, so according to Wrestling Observer, PW Insider, PW Torch, every major wrestling uh, news outlet, Baron Corbin was legit their pick. And here's, here's the thing. In defense of WWE, he's the logical pick. Uh, the storyline that he had built with Kurt last last fall and winter feeds into the idea that he would be the one to face Kurt at WrestleMania. They are they are bringing to a close that long term storytelling idea, which usually we like. We like them coming around with long term storytelling. It would yeah, have made they did more it sense. already. They had the beatdown of Baron yeah, as they, payback. They, that's and the all thing. They kind shit. of already did. So to have it again doesn't make a ton of sense. But it would have you know you could have seen it. But here's the problem. It's also, it's Kurt freaking angle. And to have this be his, to, and Baron Corbin has his uses and I like his heel work, but frankly, to finish off Kurt angles career, he is an underwhelming opponent. And it's not yep. just me. That's using that word. It's Jim Ross on Twitter. It's Kurt angles own wife, Giovanni Yanati, who had to, they, who had to take down her tweet, uh, Matt Riddle from NXT, he said that he was so sad he's going to go to McDonald's and eat himself into a coma. Uh, he's going to sad eat himself into a coma. Like this is people are are shooting from the hip on this. That regardless of what you think about Baron Corbin and his work rate and how he is as a talent, he's just an underwhelming opponent for Kurt Angle. Not that he's underwhelming. He's underwhelming 
for Kurt Angle, especially because we all had our hopes set on, as you said, John Cena, or the match that Kurt had tonight on his farewell tour, as he's calling it, which was Chad Gable, who seems to be the heir apparent to Kurt Angle's style. So, you know, former former championship wrestler, he's an incredible amateur which wrestler. Which would have made a much better storyline if they wanted to do this stupid, you know, unforgotten son, illegitimate son angle. They should have done it with Chad Gable instead of Jason Jordan. Well, that's the thing, is they were trying to surprise us all with Jason Jordan, and it was just dumb, whereas Chad <laughs> Gable... Hey, surprise. Yeah, surprise. Whereas, you know, and frankly, Jason Jordan did prove that he should have been pushed. He was an incredible talent. But as we now know, history is 2020. Chad Gable should have gotten that rub, frankly. And he, 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 he's the total package, and he's still wrestling. So, and that's unfortunate for Jason Jordan. But at the same time, he, you know, here's Chad Gable, and he comes out and has, frankly, uh, as good a match as you possibly could have with Kurt, given how creaky he is these days. You know, they actually started, they took a match that started off pretty, pretty wince-inducing with how slow Kurt was and how much uh, Chad was having to slow down for Kurt, but they made it exciting by the end. Yeah. And it, they could have taken three weeks to build up Chad Gable to be Kurt Angle's final opponent at WrestleMania, and it would have been a better choice than Baron Corbin. We could have gotten more excited about it because it would have felt like a passing of the torch. Yeah. Right? So there's lots of other options. Baron doesn't feel like a, like either way. If Baron loses, we're going to yawn. If Baron wins, we're going to scream. It's not a good idea either way to have Baron Corbin face Kurt Angle. And wrestling. traditionally, legends like this put over their opponents Correct. to give them the... Th so it's, it's highly likely that Baron Corbin's going to win, roll out of the ring, and Kurt Angle's going to have his moment to say goodbye at WrestleMania in a couple of weeks. And we're all going to be like, eh. <laughs> well, I, all right, then. Hopefully, this is one of those things where they look at the fan backlash and go, you know what? Maybe this wasn't the best idea. Maybe we can find somebody better. Uh, Cena if, needs to come out in his little <laughs> you trunks you want to, you want to, you want to dress up chain thing again the, with no. his hat on sideways and the spinner belt no. for old time's sake. No. And have they him, have another wrap-off. Have him come <laughs> God. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Thugonomics no. is back. I'm okay with him coming out in the little trunks he came out and just screaming ruthless aggression in Kurt's face again. That'll be yes. fine. Um, so we're talking about WrestleMania matches. So, so far we've talked about uh, the Seth versus Brock match, the Roman versus McIntyre match, the Rousey match with Charlotte and uh, and Becky. We've talked about Bailey and Sasha versus everyone potentially. Angle versus Baron... Corbin. Finally, uh, on the show, we had a build towards the other signature match, Triple H versus Batista. And this was built with just an interview with Batista in his <clears throat> office um, <laughs> where I can only describe this as Batista trying to movie act on WWE TV. He tried to movie act a promo when he should have given a WWE promo was pretty much how I could describe this. Yeah. Um, but he basically, he basically talked about why he hates triple H. He gave us, he created his backstory for why he wanted to come back and beat triple H. And it basically was that triple H had never given him his fair shot. He was always a tool to be used by triple H. He never really quit. He just didn't want to deal with triple H's crap anymore. Um, Right. And how Triple H was just a user and abuser, and one day, hopefully, Vince McMahon would wake up and fire Triple H. Okay, fine. 
Um, Michael Cole interviewing him, however, was hilarious. And he was like, well, Triple H has always been nice to me. <laughs> Which is a has he? bald face. No, man. I've, I saw a, a gif this week of, of Triple H and Shawn Michaels giving him a super wedgie so hard he was bouncing up and down on the ground. You know, it's obviously Michael Cole used to be the punching bag for everybody. So, yep. but, busted tips and all. Oh my God. And the horrible little goatee. <laughs> um, poor rock. Like little, or, little so Justin poor, poor, Timberlake in 1998. The rock used to, uh, poor, poor Cole when the rock used to get a hold of him. Him and Kevin oh. Kelly. Oh God. I still call Kevin Kelly Hermie. Anyway, but so this, I don't know. This didn't entirely work for me. How did this work for you? Not at all. It didn't. I, I actually enjoy most people shat all over the the inter, the exchange from last week. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Really, I shat all over it. Yeah, you did. I did. But you know, Baptista, as uh, is so dubbed by Andy Jessup uh, in our in our group because he baptized that microphone for sure. Uh, that will never live. That that will never go away for me. He will henceforth be known as Baptista. But I liked the the dynamic of having the security and him being this kind of heel. Do I want to see them get in the ring and beat the hell out of each other? I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. I think they will absolutely deliver in a no-holds-barred kind of setting. Sledgehammer and all. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. This kind of crap that's going on over the past couple of weeks, three, four weeks now, eh, shut up, go away, come back at Mania, and beat the absolute shit out of each other. I'm going to call Crimson Masks on at least one of these guys uh, at the WrestleMania match. I think they're going to beat the hell out of each other. You know what? I would have agreed with you before I saw the last couple of Triple H matches in Saudi Arabia and Australia. And those got me worried. And actually, with how this this is starting to go now and how cringy this is getting to me, I'm starting to worry. I'm starting to worry it will be a long, plodding, 40-minute match because Triple H always has the longest matches at WrestleMania. It will be a long, plodding match, and it will just not, it will not deliver. I'm starting to worry about that now. So we will see. We will see. Uh, I don't know if there's any way for them to fix it. They had to up the intensity somehow, and having Batista like kind of quietly speak the way he was this year, even though he like he ended up like you know storming off. That's it. I'm done. Get out of my office. I, I, even despite that, I didn't feel like this was intense enough. You know no. what I mean? It started off so good with his beat down of Ric Flair and everything like that. Felt chilling. That was scary. And then immediately, just he, it's it's. It's been made so cringy in the last two weeks. I, for me, the heat is gone, and I know some people who are still big fans of Batista. And I was, I'm, I, full disclosure, I was never a fan of him as a wrestler. I was never a fan of him as a superstar. So that I might be biased, and I will fully admit to that. But it's not working for me so far. I was, I was ready after the Ric Flair bit. Now I have some serious reservations, and I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm right there with you. I'm also I, but worried, I think, but I think they will deliver. I, I, I hope you're right, sir. I very much hope you're right. Uh, I am also worried about one Finn Balor, who this week uh, had a match against Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley. Uh, Again? Uh, yes. Yes, they're still apparently all feuding together. But this Seven week, times in a row now? Finn had a friend. He brought out the hands themselves, Braun Strowman, fresh off of destroying a car last week. And... Uh, he got out there and basically scared Leo Rush so bad that uh, he's his pants are still wet. Yep. So this was I thought this was the most fun match in the show for me. Honestly, there was nothing really going on here, but it was you know it was fun. It was fun and everyone played their parts right. And Braun was scary and 
Lashley was intense and Finn was bouncing around and Leo was bouncing around. It was fun. It was fun. And frankly, some of the damage that Braun put on Leo was intense. He was hucking him all over the place. Yeah. Just seeing Braun throw a little five-foot Leo rush all over the place and just the some of the beals that he were doing were as high as yep. you know Finn Balor jumps when he does a cootie girl. Yeah. <laughs> Leo was like, up. Like Leo could he could have hucked Leo into the third row easily. <laughs> I'd I'd buy that for a dollar. But here's the thing. So by the way, did, quick aside, did you notice that Braun Strowman destroyed that car last week? And two days later, Mattel put out a Braun Strowman breaks a car action set. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, well, fantastic. Unless you know you're kayfabe and it's completely yeah. shattered by it. But okay, right. whatever. Um. So yeah, Still this real to some people, Ian. This match, I know it is. This match happened. And that's pretty much all we could say about it. It didn't build anything in terms of the feuds, but what it did give us a chance to see was Braun Strowman announce himself as the first entrance entrant in the armbar the andre the giant battle royale uh is he a lock to win that thing like who i don't know who else i don't know who else could beat him besides mojo um, raleigh yeah i was gonna say mojo <laughs> you know i i'm expecting to see mojo show up and appear in that thing and they've been doing some backstage work with him and we'll see where that goes over the next couple of weeks but i wouldn't be surprised you know i i, I like that you've already forgotten that mojo raleigh is already a winner of the armbar oh i know Okay. He could be a two-time no, winner. No, he's not going to be a two-time no? winner. Okay. He's not going to be a two-time winner. I'm just saying well, right Baron now. Baron Corbin is also, and you're not hyped about his match with with Kurt Angle. No, I'm not. <laughs> he's not no, a, the arm nobody bar, is. The arm bar has become a joke. Like, who are the winners? Cesaro? Uh, uh, Mojo. Mojo, Baron Corbin? Like, come on. Uh, and, <laughs> and the Big Show. So, oh, that's right. I the forgot show, about that The Big one. Show won at 31. Uh, speaking of Baron Corbin, he also had a match with Apollo Crews this week. Uh, I don't th- I don't know if this had any implications for the the Kurt Angle and Baron Corbin match at WrestleMania. It was basically just they had a match, and the people backstage were telling him, telling Corbin how much they hated his time as uh, the GM of Raw. So it and was he's right. I mean, they're yeah, but it was still like. It was one of those things where I don't know. It just it's one of those, they're they're killing time with this. Like I was supposed to, I don't know if it's supposed to give us more heat on Baron Corbin to remind him, remind us about that. I don't know what the meaning of this was. <laughs> so, Apparently, Chicago but, listens to the podcast though, and they heard me say last week that John Cena should be Kurt Angle's opponent because they started chanting Cena. Well, this is the part I was going to get to with this was Chicago. Let's take a moment. Chicago chanted for Cena. Chicago, not CM Punk. No. They chanted for Cena. We want Cena. Oh my God. <laughs> this is what we've come to. Uh, right. So I, yeah, it's if, come full circle. If WWE ain't backstage going, dude, Chicago is cheering for Cena. I don't know what to, t- I don't know what to tell them. Somebody get me John Cena. In uh, here right now. Elias and no way. Jose are still feuding. Apparently Elias had a bit. Uh, he was on a, a moment of bliss. Alexa bliss was, uh, and I'm, I quote here, she was wearing a little too much of five different things. That was a, a text I got, or sorry, that was something that JBC said. Uh, <laughs> she had a moment of bliss. You had uh, Elias singing. He was interrupted, however, by No Way Jose, or rather his conga line, which was being led by heavy machinery. And when he went to confront Otis Dozovich from behind, a tall guy in a Pentagon Junior mask attacked him, revealing that it was No Way Jose with his new green dreads. And the feud continues. Um, 
this was bizarre, not just because of the Pentagon Jr. mask, not just because Otis, Otis, like heavy machinery is now being relegated to the conga line, Nick. They're now rosebuds. They're rosebuds. I Congratulations. Mean, and there's a long line of rosebuds who have done very well. And Simon Great. Gotch. But, you know, there's a long line of rosebuds who have done very well for themselves. So, so they may be okay, but it does worry me that they're basically being the comedy group now. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know if we're, this might be something in the arm bar or something else. I don't know. But uh, Elias is apparently officially the, the musical act at WrestleMania, the quote musical act. So he'll probably be playing stuff in bits between the, like maybe that's what they were doing at Fastlane. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Where he was like doing bits in between the matches and they were like, that was a test. Will this work at WrestleMania? Probably. That wouldn't I, I, surprise I dug me. It. Yeah. I, I, wor- I think it worked at Fastlane. And I think if you combine that with Alexa Bliss hosting, there could be something there. Yeah. yeah it'll be interesting to see how they do it. Yeah. I mean, that's probably why they set this up here with Alexa and uh, Elias having a little bit of a little bit of business. Speaking of yep. business, we mentioned that Mojo is still yelling in the mirror, which we, we haven't seen in a couple of weeks. So apparently this is still a thing. Apparently they're still working on something for Mojo here. Whenever that happens, we don't know. We don't know if it's an angle for WrestleMania or what it is. And we also saw Ricochet again on TV. He had a match against Jinder Mahal where he won, which the only thing I could think about this is, is this, this is reminding me of Ember Moon, where it's a new toy, they get brought up, and then they've got nothing for them, and they get quickly forgotten. And they're just beating people in the mid-card, and then pff, that's it. Does that, is that what this feels like to you? Oh, he's gotten a little further than EC3 did, for that matter. You oh, know? God, poor EC3. Poor EC3. He's already tweeting out that he'll see people in catering. Like, it's... He knows. Listen, I don't want to compare apples to oranges in Ricochet versus EC3 because they're nowhere near each other. But at the same time, I'm, he's getting a match? Yeah. They're, they're, ap- uh, they're apples... Where, and, do you, where do you stop arguing? They're apples <laughs> and husks of corn. Right. But, yeah. So, I'm just saying, it's, it's worrisome to me, just making a note of it. But uh, as we said... Oh, so overall... Overall, you felt that the show set up a lot of pieces for WrestleMania, which I would agree that it did. Did you yep. feel it was as entertaining and as cohesive of a show as last week, though? I don't know. I mean, last week's was, you know, it, it, it's subjective, right? I like this time of year. I like the last four to six weeks going into Mania because it, it's a, it becomes the moving of chess pieces into the right place mm. to be able to do the checkmate. And I, I like the positioning aspects of these shows as we get closer and closer. Am I that concerned about entertainment value on a week-to-week basis at this point? No. I I am very much concerned. Let's shift the gears. Let's put the pieces in the right place. Let's not grind the clutch on the way. We did all that. Thanks, Stephanie. A month or so ago. But let's let's see how things land and how the pieces fall for Mania because that's all I'm judging right now. I'm not judging the week-to-week at this point. Mm, I I still kind of have to just because people watch week to week and it's, it is hard to get through three hours of TV, especially when, and this week I feel like Kevin Dunn just took some, some production leaps that were just ridiculous. Like Seth Rollins was in the middle of an impassioned promo backstage after Drew McIntyre ran him and his shield brothers down. And he's, you know, backstage, he's fuming. He's ready to go out and kick Drew McIntyre's ass. And he says, you know, and then all of a sudden in the middle of his promo, they cut to a recap package of what he did to Drew McIntyre earlier in the show. He goes, after what I did to you earlier in the show, and they cut to a, a 30-second package of what happened earlier in the show. Like, are you, are you kidding me? That kind of stuff was 
it was mind blowing to me that that we did that. And there's already the uh, the gift that's online that's been uh, passed around. It's hilarious of someone you know got a picture of the cameraman uh, shooting Drew McIntyre getting beaten down by Seth Rollins with a chair earlier in the show. And just the movements these camera guys have to do. There's two guys next to each other so that Kevin Dunn can, can cut back and forth between them and make it just completely like almost incoherent and, and like actually like Paul, what's his name? The guy who directed the first born identity or the second born identity, Paul Greengrass. Greengrass. Paul Greengrass, you know, just to make it as, as jittery and actiony as possible. These guys like jumping up and down to try and get these cameras to do this thing. It's, it's ludicrous. So just, sorry, a small moment. A small production bitching moment. Uh, I feel better now. But not us, Ian. We get to sit here in these chairs and be couch yeah. critics. Again, I'm a, I, I am a From couch. From the comfort of our, our labs. I'm a couch critic. Our layers. <laughs> I am. I will fully admit it. But, I've, you know, I do have a history in film and TV. So Me too. Take, that take, that, take that for what it is. Well, guys, uh, things do get a little bit better than they were on Monday Night Raw, but to talk about those things, we've got to head over and talk about SmackDown Live. I mean, really, the only difference between me and Kevin Dunn is the fact that he's got some sort of incriminating evidence on Vince McMahon and his family. That's the only reason. I'm sorry, Nick. Are we back? Oh, sorry. Anyway, Uh, SmackDown Live. SmackDown Live. Kofi Kingston. Had a gauntlet match this week. It was set up last week by Vince McMahon. If he could go through five SmackDown superstars, he would be in WrestleMania. Now, of course, the caveat being he'd be in WrestleMania. He never said explicitly he'd get a WrestleMania main event match. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. He had to go through, in order, Sheamus, Cesaro, Rowan, Samoa Joe, and Randy Orton. Basically a who's who of bad men on SmackDown Live. And this was the main event of the show. Nick, I, I this was awesome to me. What? How did? How did you feel about this over uh, overall? This gauntlet, this fifty-five minute gauntlet match. What did you feel about it overall? Like before we get into when the details. When it started, I I actually hit. I do this every now and then. I time check the episodes. Like I see where we're at. Right. And I'm like, are they really going to give this an hour? Yep. And they did. They did. And it was fantastic. It really was. Uh, I mean, it, there was no real extended period of time on any one of these guys. It was all pretty evenly paced, but there were some surprise kickouts. There were some moments where I was like, <gasps> yeah, oh, okay. There was quite a there few There was one surprises. like 2.9999 kickout that just, <laughs> I believe it was, was it or no, it might've been Joe. I think it was the Joe matchup, but anyway, every single one of these lined up great. Every single one of them delivered. Every single one of them uh, on their own were, were good matches. Yeah. So this was set up by Daniel Bryan essentially saying that Kofi had not earned anything, that he had taken Mustafa Ali's place. He'd been chosen for it uh, in the original gauntlet match and then in, the, of course, the, the, uh, the elimination chamber. So the un- And I liked this. Daniel Bryan directly drawing comparisons from his own epic title run back at around WrestleMania 30 and drawing the comparison to Kofi's. And, of course, we've even talked about on this show how – they're once again kind of pulling from old booking and history is repeating itself. It actually worked really well for me that they addressed it head on and not only addressed it head on, but had Daniel, Daniel Bryan in particular address it head on. I like that as a storytelling device because it juxtaposes this current reiteration of history poetically with its, with the originator of this. So for me, it made this feel like, 
another chapter as opposed to a rehash if that makes sense it, it feels oh, sure. it feels like the guy who did this originally has somehow been corrupted or, or lost his way and there's like a new successor to this coming along it evolved it for me and i it, it in a lot of ways refocused and, and recrystallized what's happening with kofi which is completely out of left field let's call a spade a spade this came out of freaking nowhere um but it's awesome and it's really cool to see. I love when these organic things happen. These organic things happen. This is what makes wrestling so exciting. And it's, you know, every time, Nick, that we complain about hot shotting, this is the counterpoint, is that they can do things like this. Yeah, you know? they, they pulled it off. And I, I bet there's a lot of guidance and, and whisperers over the shoulder saying, remember how good that... Daniel Bryan plowing through Evolution Gauntlet was at WrestleMania a few years ago. That could be this again. I, I was oh, wondering man. if they would set up the uh, the Gauntlet thing to be the WrestleMania thing. I think this might have been the first match at WrestleMania kind of scenario, except that there was a different outcome. So this is definitely a, they're making Kofi almost literally run the Gauntlet to get to WrestleMania while running Gauntlet matches. Uh, in this and this was fantastic. We had a, a bunch of great matches back to back to back to back to back, and the, there are multiple things that I liked about it. And Nick, I want to hear some specifics that you liked about it. Um, one thing that the little detail was that there was a growing number of like SmackDown faces hanging out in the backstage area and watching the match on TV as the match went on, and he kept beating people. More and more of the good guys backstage kept surrounding the New Day members. Started off with them just. You know, the two New Day guys, Biggie and, and uh, Xavier, watching the TV. And the next time we cut back there, the Usos had joined them, and there was a plate of pancakes, and they were all sharing the pancakes. Uh, and then it was Mustafa Ali and the Hardys, and then there was more and more and more people backstage all watching this match. And it, it helped tell us, without making it explicit, that this was important and that the good guys really had Kofi's back. Whereas other times on the show, you had people straight up say, oh, that Kofi's a great guy. That was a great storytelling device. The other it thing, was. The other thing I liked was that you had every guy that lost to Kofi here, and he beat, first he beat Sheamus, straight up, just beat him. Straight up beat Cesaro. Straight up, uh, uh, then he went into Rowan. Rowan uh, got himself disqualified by hitting him with a chair and putting him through a table. And then Kofi had to face Samoa Joe and believably snuck out a win when Joe went for the muscle buster and Kofi reversed it suddenly. So so so, all of those guys so far, you believed that on any given day, Kofi could beat Sheamus or Cesaro, right? It didn't take too much uh, of a stretch to believe that Rowan could destroy Kofi at that point. And yeah. then to have Kofi beat Joe in like a sneaky way was also believable. And Joe sold it so well with that, that aghast look he gets on his face when someone sneaks a win on him. And then he put Kofi to sleep in the coquina clutch and out came Randy Orton, who took so much time gloating about Kofi that he gave him an opening and an opportunity. Kofi hit him with like his last gasp, the last possible big move he had and KO'd Randy one, two, three, got the win and he gets through the gauntlet match. I liked that nobody was in this match and lost unbelievably. No, I gauntlet matches, as you know, with me are a problem because to me, it makes everyone who loses in it look bad because they got beat by a guy who's just beat X number of other people that didn't happen here. So that was all fantastic stuff. What did you like about this match? Well, before I say that, the one thing that I will throw in here is that this time of year is particularly special for these kinds of matches as well because there's another thing going on in the sporting world right now 
that is very heavy and you know in that dynamic of the underdog, the come from behind, running the gauntlet. To win March Madness, to win the NCAA championship, you have to win six games in a row against elite teams that have made it into this tournament. So the, uh, he had to face five guys here to get to the finals before Vince McMahon comes out and <laughs> announces, oh, um, I forgot. You got one more. Was this the best use of Vince McMahon's music since the 90s? <laughs> he comes I, was, he comes I out. was waiting for him to come out. Oh, my God. Uh, the whole time. Oh, oh I, yeah. So I knew Vince was coming at some you point. You had to, like, come on. It was, and, but this is one of those cases where predictability doesn't matter as long as it's a good story. And Kofi's celebrating the ring. The, the New Day guys run out there, and they're all celebrating. They can't believe it. Kofi's half dead, half dead in the ring. And then all of a sudden, it hits. No chance. That's what you got. <laughs> and out comes Vince and goes, oh, congratulations, Kofi. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> oh, congratulations, Kofi. You did a great job. I can't believe you did it. You're going to WrestleMania. Oh, if you can beat this one last opponent. And out comes Daniel Bryan. And just straight murders Kofi. Yeah, he does. Murders him. Even like takes a little like moment. God, Daniel Bryan, by the way, is operating on another level when it comes to storytelling and character in the ring right now. The moment he took when he had, he had Kofi was out. He was just out, uh, barely, barely able to struggle back to his feet. And Daniel pauses in the corner and starts doing the little like pointing to the ceiling. Yes. Chant movement. And the entire audience is going, no, no. No, and then he knees Kofi's head off and gets the one, two, three. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant moment. He did. He did a few of those. Daniel Bryan's just his presence. Every all the physical stuff he's doing is absolutely outstanding. I've come around because he's quit going on and on. Well, let me rephrase that. Hindsight, twenty twenty. Right. I was very down on this whole environmentalist. SJW Daniel Bryan. You were immediately you know, bored. You were immediately bored. I, by it, I was I like, no, this is not. This is not going to work. Actually, looking back on it, it was perfect yeah. for the traditional wrestling stereotypical crowd. Right? Well, and also it was Daniel Bryan turned up to eleven, and it was supposed to be contrasting with Kevin Owens, regular guy who likes eating hamburgers, because that was like that's what that was all built to be. Sure. But I, I, I've gotten to this point now where it's, it's hit this calm stasis where we understand what he is now, because, and he's not constantly harping on it. He'll throw a jab in there every now and then. A brilliant you one. People. A brilliant right. one, yeah. Um, but it, like the pancakes and bootios, like all of you people eat, you know. Yeah. Brilliant. Just a little jab. That's all it needs, just to remind us of exactly who he is. But he has gone from the... the crazy talker environmentalist who he's just straight killing dudes well and that was what you originally said was you didn't want environmentalist daniel bryan you wanted american dragon back i think we got him no you you got the best of both worlds you got annoying eco hippie psycho hippie daniel bryan psycho hippie daniel bryan there you go you got psycho hippie daniel bryan uh but every time he gets in the ring he's in the black trunks and the boots and he's an absolute murderer. I'm going to create that character in uh, in 2K19 now. Psych- Psycho hippie Daniel Bryan. <laughs> All he needs is a gas mask. Oh, Psycho- and sirens. Psycho Mantis Bryan. Sorry. No, this is great. I'm anxious to see where it goes. Um, I, I what did what I, I don't. I think I was so blown away. I'm not even sure what actually transpired. What is Kofi going to be doing? 
at WrestleMania at this point? At this point, nothing. He's out. <clears throat> He's out. No, but this that's the point, isn't it, right? To get everyone hot. And it worked. People, The people that got worked got worked hard on this. Vince has been called a racist online. Like, it's fantastic. Like, it's, it's Big working. E put out some big, like, oh, yeah. fourth so wall did. speech yes, video thing. Yeah. Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. No, this is all good stuff. This is all for the bill. We have tons of time for them to find another back door for Kofi to get into There's WrestleMania. There's no on. way he's not in that WWE oh. Championship match at this well, point. They're doing such a good job with this. And this is the thing is, is that this is way more interesting than what they had planned with Kevin Owens, which I think would have been good, but this is better. This is way I wanted, better. I wanted Miz, but this is way better. Yeah. So uh, I, I I liked all this. I liked the fact that they're setting this up uh, beautifully. They're getting everyone hot for it. So far to me, this has been well done. The storytelling in this whole match is great. So yeah, wonderful, wonderful way to kill uh, two thirds of your show. Fantastic. Uh, but there's lots of other stuff on SmackDown as well, building for WrestleMania. Miz opened the show with a absolute monster of a promo on Shane McMahon. Uh, just an absolute beast of a promo. And I, I frankly, you know, if, if you guys did not watch SmackDown this week, it's worth going and watching, especially for me, juxtaposed as it was for me with watching it almost back to back with Batista's promo on Triple H. Where Batista, like I said, he was like he was kind of movie acting, and that doesn't translate well in WWE. It makes it look like you're not really there. You're too you're being too small, as they say. Yeah. Miz was WWE acting. He was staring straight into the camera and saying that Shane McMahon had put hands on his father. And he could, you know, you can do what you want, but you don't put hands on my father. You don't own you may own this company, but you don't own me. And then for some reason he said you don't own Co- you don't own Kofi Kingston. I don't, I don't know why he threw Kofi in there. It kind of derailed could, his speech you, a little bit, but you could peel the the chunk chicken breast off of his cheeks. Oh, this was so good. This was oh, so babyface, man. Uh, uh, it was so good. Loved yes. every second of it. This is what we wanted. I think we were all hoping to get a chance to see a, what a face Miz would be like after be having heel Miz for two years with the Intercontinental Championship over on Raw. We're finally getting Miz to this place. Yes. And I want to see where this goes because I do believe he is finally at the point where he could legit go up and challenge Daniel Bryan for that WWE Championship. And maybe that's the SummerSlam play post-Mania. That would be fun. And and I thought we would get here a few months ago. Yeah. The Shane Miz thing was a little bit it threw a threw me a curveball. I thought I it, thought I this thought it was is well-based. where we were going to go uh, with Miz and, and Daniel Bryan going into Mania, but no, I ride this wave because Miz is on to something here. He is, and it's something that he's in in some ways been building, whether intentionally or not, for the last few years. And his brand has been, "I'm the hardest working guy here. I'm a hard worker. I've busted my ass to get where I am, and I deserve respect." And for a while there, he was doing it as a way to get the audience annoyed. But at a certain point, we all looked at him and went, crap, he's right. And in this speech, yeah. he went back to that well again. And he said, you know, I'm, I have worked my ass off to get where I am. Shane's never worked a day in his life. So he can't say that he was born best in the world. But he can if he wants to, but he's not. I'm the best in the world because I worked my ass off to get here. And I think his, his signature line in the speech was, uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Great line. Killer line. And uh, Miz ended all this with with basically asking the audience, like, do I deserve respect? And the audience going, yes, you deserve it. 
So good job, Miz. He, it's still weird to have face Miz. It's still weird. For, I can tell people in the audience are still like, oh God, we're cheering Miz. Yeah, this, this is this is good. Um, he's, but he's who's it? Is, he's is this the good. Miz? Yeah. So no, he's he's made that come around, and frankly, like. So far, Miz and Shane did. They put in the work, like you said. They put in months of work to build it to this point. Now it truly feels like a grudge match. Um, they could run this to WrestleMania on just the mics. I think they should have a little more physicality before WrestleMania. But yeah, I'm really happy with where this feud's at. I think they did a good job building it, and I think Miz did a great, like just a knocked out of the park job selling it this week. Yeah. Two questions. Um, one, I, I don't think. I mean, what is Shane going to jump off of at Mania? That's that's one. Mm. Are they going to add a stipulation to this? Two, uh, I want to make note that he actually called out the entire McMahon family, and I'm wonder. I I don't want to read too much into that, but it's a it's a very facey thing to do in WWE. Sure, but it wasn't just directed at Shane. He was also throwing right crosses at the entire McMahon family. Yeah. I mean, what, was, what was his line that he said? He said, uh, of course, you're bad. You're a McMahon or something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if they'll have some sort of authority thing with him at some point. I really hope they don't. I mean, I think that's just what you do is just you throw haymakers in the McMahons when you're mad in WWE. I think it's just a trope. Those damn McMahons. It's a trope. Well, I mean, <laughs> Jesus, Vince proved him right this show, didn't he? <laughs> he showed out, oh, man. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the show that the Iconics... Uh, Kofi, had, you'd have been in it, but Miz had to go and call you out at the top of the show. Sorry, bud. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, did, did Miz say he liked you, Kofi? Well, that's too bad, pal. You're out of WrestleMania. The Iconics uh, have been calling out Sasha and Bailey for weeks, and Sasha and Bailey finally responded showing up on the show this week, and they lost. It was a non-title match. The Iconics beat them clean. This is why I think it should just be the Iconics, and the whole Beth Phoenix thing is stupid. What? Yep. I think it should just be the Iconics because they've earned it. Well, I would argue that Beth Phoenix has earned it as well, and I think she's exciting. showed up out of retirement after almost 10 years? And she's one of the... I honestly think she was one of the divas you can actually say was a woman's wrestler in a time of divas. She's Uh, someone who should have this argument again about legit tag teams and just pairing two singles people together. Uh, When we, we had already said the women's division is so small. You're going to have to pair up singles people to get tag teams. It's just the nature of the beast. You didn't have any tag teams. I mean, the only tag team that was (laughs) legit that's getting left out of this is the riot squad. So, and like, like we said earlier, at any rate, no, this, this, this to me, was as we've been saying, it's a fatal. It's going to be a fatal four-way at WrestleMania. To me, this was just proof that's going to happen. Now they have a claim to the titles, and they're going to throw in their hats, and we'll have a four-way at WrestleMania, or maybe if maybe it'll be a, a, a fatal five-way, and the Riot Squad will get involved, and they'll just throw every. It'll be like their traditional old WrestleMania match where they're just like getting the women a paycheck, and every woman's in the ring. Only this time it's for the tag belts. Now get them all on TV. Yeah. Well, hey, get everyone a, a WrestleMania paycheck. Yeah, you that's know? true. So on the pre-show. Speaking of, oh, come on, man. Uh, speaking that, of, this one's, this one's going on the they pre-show, are not putting the here nope, They are not putting the women's tag belts on the pre-show. If they put anything on the pre-show, it'll be the SmackDown Women's Championship, and they shouldn't do that either because that's goddamn disrespectful. Uh, but speaking of women's division, Becky and Charlotte also got into a rumble this week, but they were on the new and improved Kevin Owens show. The KO nice show set. is back. 
Nice set. It was a nice set. It looked more like an actual talk show set. I'll say that. It's weird to see Kevin Owens still being snarky, but being a face. And basically, this whole segment was him having Becky and Charlotte come out to the ring and then just talk smack at them until they both beat each other up. Basically, he's wound them up, instigated, and then just quietly left the ring while they killed each other. I think Dad Bod KO, that's what I'm going to call him, Dad Bod KO from now on. I think Dad Bod KO needs to have his own podcast. As opposed to what? Well, I don't know. Just He's being like that, hey, I'm everybody's friend now. He's I'm never the, been Finn Balor I'm, I'm Bod fun, KO. Cool like, why well, would you call him hear me Dad out. Bod? Oh, hear come me on. Out. He needs his own podcast. Like, just lean back, feet up on the desk, like, hey, got eating some popcorn. Hey, guys, Kev, Kevin here. Uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about this. And I would listen to that. It would be... Uh, Boring after the first three episodes, but, you know, intriguing for the first couple. I would only listen to it if you were washboard abs, Owens. Then you might have me. It's audio-only format. What does it matter whether he has abs or not? Come on, it's, man. It's all about the diaphragm, you know? It's about how he's projecting. Oh, I know how to do that. So Becky and Charlotte got into a big old scuffle at the end of this segment. Uh, do you? I mean, here's the thing. Do you feel like the physicality just being between Becky and Charlotte is taking away from the overall match here, or was this just a fun way to keep it the intensity up? I think the fact that they're not letting Becky use run, your diaphragm, man. Shh. I think the the fact that they're not letting Becky run roughshod over the entire roster and the McMahons is the problem with this whole thing. She seems to be doing this too cool for school, sitting back. Not saying anything anymore. I mean, when this whole thing started, she had some fiery promos. She rode that Nia punch to the face till it was, you know, as far as she could. And then this whole injury angle with her knee just took things over. They have so many missed opportunities with Becky Lynch here. And her just sitting back, laid back in the chair, letting Charlotte do all the talking again is just, I, I don't know what's happened. They have they got mad at her about something, and they've passed everything over to Charlotte at this point. And I don't know if it's just to swerve us so that they can put the title on her. I don't know. I, I'm lost at this point. I, I actually do, I do agree. I think that Becky is, is somewhere along the line. I think they've lost in touch with the character a little bit. Uh, they need to, to figure out the, what that is. It's also strange that now that we've gotten through two months of them just swerving left and right and all over the place with this whole angle that now it's just, it's so straightforward. It almost feels like they overbooked the first half of this build and so much so that now by, by juxtaposition, the second half feels underbooked where it's like, well, now it's going to, there's going to beat people up. They're, like they're going to beat each other up. There's no plot twists. There's no swerves, nothing interesting. It's just, They've done everything. You know what I mean? You guys just sit in the ring or you're going to be on the KO show <laughs> and just uh, say something smart and yeah, uh, yeah and get out uh, of it. Travis Brown hit somebody. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they <laughs> they literally they shot their wad early and now they've got nothing left to twist. Like they don't need to twist anymore. They just I don't know. They, I I I think in history we'll look back and say they they definitely tripped over their own feet on this WrestleMania build for what should have been the epic first ever women's main event at WrestleMania. And frankly, if this match does not go on last, we will be pointing to the booking of this match that led up to WrestleMania and saying that is the reason. It'll that was Roman the reason. and Drew McIntyre. Oh, no. How? What? Oh, sir. No. No. Oh, we got to move on well, before I can really digest that. Uh, it's, Ray, it's heads grown Ray three Mysterio. sizes no, in don't, the last don't 10 seconds. Think about it. Rey Mysterio has announced that he is facing Samoa Joe for the U.S. title at WrestleMania. Uh, okay. I remember there being Andrade Cien Almas and R-Truth involved in this feud as well, but I guess Rey gets what Rey wants. 
especially when he brings Dominic back. You all remember Dominic from the mid-2000s? Yep. He's back. He's, he's a big boy he's now. He's a, he's, a, he's a big boy now. Good Lord. How I mean, big I know, boy are you? I know Ray is not a big man either, but Dominic, a big boy. So he's towering over his dad. Apparently, he There was be- something I saw about uh, he trademarked a new Mysterio name or something this week. What was that about? I, I did not see that, so I don't know. All I do know okay. is that Dominic has been training uh, with Ray to, to wrestle. So, hey, who knows? I think what it was was his name. Uh, something they, they, His new stage name is going to be something Mysterio. And I think that's what the trademark was. I don't know. I, I'll go try and find the, the tweet before we get out of here today. But The only mystery right. about Dominic is whether or not Eddie Guerrero was right back in 2005 and Ray isn't really his father because that boy is six foot tall and Ray is five foot two or five foot four or whatever he is. So looks Eddie like had a, a point. Eddie had a point. I'm just saying. Eddie is Dominic's father? Ray's got what? Some, Ray has some it's questions to ask. Are you, hang on. Time out. Are you starting a conspiracy theory here I am where starting Eddie nothing. Guerrero is actually Dominic's father? I'm not starting. Eddie started that back in 2005. You don't remember, you don't remember that, whole, that whole feud? I do. I, I do. The custody of Dominic? I'm trying to go all telenovela here on you. Oh, I Cállate. see. Oh. <laughs> Ay, monstruo, monstruo, mi corazón, ¿por qué? Ay, y cállate. con mi hermano. Ay, oh. Sorry, all right, oh. we're back now. I, mi hijo. <laughs> I want to go watch some lucha, lucha right now, man. Right. Uh, I want to go watch some Telemundo. So, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> this is the great thing about living in Los Angeles. This makes all sense to us. Yes. Um, my other question is, is Dominic really Mr. Bootyworth? Oh, I don't think so. Passing resemblance. Passing resemblance. Yeah, he was a little smaller. That Mr. Bootyworth had a little girth to him. And he, I'm pretty sure he was a white dude. I don't think that was Dominic. Oh, come on, man. You're going to throw that card in there? What? It's, I'm saying colorblind casting. Dominic could be Mr. Bootyworth. Come on. I'm not saying he couldn't be. I'm saying I don't think it was him because he looked different than Mr. Bootyworth. So if you're still listening to our show at this point, it should come as no surprise to you that we really don't care about Ray versus Samoa Joe at WrestleMania. That's why we're going off no. on this whole tangent. We wanted it should to have been Andrade. It should have been a fatal four-way or it should have been Andrade. Originally, it was supposed to be Ray versus Andrade, uh, hair versus mask match. That was the original idea that was floated. And so for oh. some reason, at some point, that went by the wayside. Um so, yeah, we're not really sure what happened here. All we know is that now we're getting Ray versus Joe and Dominic's going to be ringside. So I think we can all already figure out what that's going to be. Like, that's just yeah. it's, it's a little too obvious. Either, you know, Ray's going to bring home the title. We have a, like a nice celebration with with Dominic or Joe's going to go after Dominic. Dominic's going to cut a couple of moves on him. You know what I mean? I, th- Dominic turns on his dad. <gasps> Monstro. Monstro. Oh, no. Hijo. Por qué? Um. So, no, I, I, I don't like this at all. I, I thought this was way more exciting when you had all the guys involved with this and they were, they were trading wins and losses. I don't know why it got down to just Joe and Ray and with Dominic involved. That's way less interesting to me. Yep. So we'll see what happens. They still have some time between now and then, but to me, this, this in a lot of ways, really hamstrung the U.S. title picture. 
Uh, and then a couple more things. Quick, uh, quick finish to SmackDown here. AJ Styles and Randy Orton is official for WrestleMania. AJ cut a promo on him backstage during the show. You know, there's another thing I want to talk about, the, the gauntlet match. We said last week that there was going to be a lot of interference to allow Kofi to win. There was not a single damn bit of interference. Not a single bit of interference. Every, made every, it better. Everything was clean. It made it so much better. I, I actually so thought much Rowan better. would step in at the end after McMahon... Uh, banned Biggie and Xavier from the ring yeah. and ringside. I actually thought Rowan would get in and kind of save Daniel Bryan just as Kofi was about to get it, but that I, didn't happen either. I thought there was going to be a booking cluster. I thought you were going to have guys coming out of the woodwork because of all the feuds that you could have had with the guys in this match between the bar having feuds with the Usos and New Day. You could have had uh, with Rowan, you could have had KO come in and and you know put a shine on over Daniel Bryan. You could have had AJ with Randy Orton, and you could have had any one of the other three guys with Samoa Joe. So I thought that you know they had it was pretty much written to have guys interfere, and I'm so glad they stuck with their better instincts and did not. So it made it that much better. Absolutely. Uh, finally, speaking of fatal blank way matches, next week we have a fatal four way match for the number one contendership for the women's championship uh, for Oscar's title. Naomi versus Carmella versus Sonya Deville versus Mandy. Mandy. Uh, does any of this sound exciting to you? Does, can you see this being either A, one of these women in a so who, and B, six-pack challenge? A, Mandy. B, no. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you noticed. I said six-pack with Lacey Evans. Who's, oh. Uh, I don't think she's ready for that yet. Well, good God, she's ready to walk up and down the aisle every freaking week. I I fully expect her to walk all the way down the WrestleMania ramp and it for it to take fifteen oh, minutes and then fifteen God. minutes to go all the way back up the WrestleMania ramp again. Oh, there could, just because, just as Vince poking the universe with a stick. You know, it really is. It really does feel like he's poking the universe with this thing at this point. Like, and Corey Graves just loses his shit every time. And I'm just I'm <laughs> I'm wondering like okay what's yes yeah, she's a beautiful classy Southern Belle to what end what's her purpose well honestly did you ever she can think, also beat the hell out of girls did, well you know? yeah did you when she was in NXT did you ever think that Vince would somehow make her into the next Ava Marie because that's what she is right now she's the she's Ava Marie and it's it's sad. It is yep. sad, but uh, you know, I, I honestly, my better option between the two would be to have the six pack challenge, and it was a, obviously a leading question because, of course, it was. But uh, uh, to have it be a six pack challenge, Lacey Evans is in it, you know, and that way you can take the belt off of Oscar without Oscar getting pinned. So that's that to me seems like a better option, but we'll see, we'll see if uh, you're having that that fatal four way and Lacey Evans gets involved and causes a, a non finish. You heard it here okay. first. You heard Made it four here ways first. Four ways or no DQ. Yep. So it could happen. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but that's not all that you hear here first. You hear a lot of things here first. You hear a lot more things in the wide world of wrestling. Well, normally I start off NXT uh, pretty hot. And I want to say that I was, I was actually pretty moved this week. Really? Um, Triple H came out. To the, to the chance, which we don't normally see Triple H come out in NXT. So at first, when his music kicks at the top of NXT, you're like, oh, shit. 
And he came out and gave what I thought was a really good speech around, you know, opportunity versus reality, I think is where, where the, what he was juxtaposing, right? And I, it basically, he told the tale of, I was supposed to come out here and announce, officially announce the NXT championship match between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa at uh, TakeOver New York. Um, but unfortunately, reality struck. Mm. Tommaso Ciampa had to have neck surgery. He's already had it. It was successful. He's in recovery. He, and instead of being in this ring, he's laid up in a hospital bed with a neck brace on. I, I thought this was fantastic. I, I love the way that he presented this. I love the way that he basically just left nothing on the table, defined immediately that we were going to have a, a fatal five-way for the number one contendership, I guess, or, or to find, to determine who would ultimately go face the predetermined Johnny Gargano for the NXT championship at, during WrestleMania weekend at TakeOver New York. I, I loved the way this opened, and I loved the way he told the story and the way that he threw it back, the thanks back to... Uh, full sale in that crowd and all of the NXT universe for uh, for their contributions to what has been and will go down in my book as one of the all-time great feuds. Oh, certainly a great storyline. Yeah. And, and Johnny Gargano. Great storyline. And as we said last week, it's it's unfortunate that we, we're not yet, that we're not going to get to see the end, uh, the, the, the final nail, so to speak, in this feud as I mean, we were one match away. We, and and who been. knows? Who knows what? Where everyone involved will be in a year? Yeah. Who knows exactly. what will be going on? Um, I mean, they don't even know if Chomp will be able to compete again. It, will, it depends on his rehab. So there's a lot of factors up in the air here. It's it's, it's and it's heartbreaking. Um, and it's it's rough to see that happen. And so yeah, I, I I have to completely agree as from an emotional standpoint. It really is. It's tough, and like you said, we were we were one damn match away from this. And I also thought it was an interesting choice because they could have very easily said that Johnny Gargano caused the injury that took out Tommaso Ciampa. He caused the neck injury, like last yep. week when he when he when he you know figured out Ciampa and he beat him down. They could have easily said, "Oh, Johnny." Uh, he injured Champa. Now Champa's out. Now Johnny got his revenge. Right? They could have easily done that, but they didn't. They went with the reality part of it. They went with the no. He just it, it had been building up for a while, and he finally had to go have it checked out. And and they they said you need surgery. I think the doctors even called it. They did a video package with the surgeons as well, and they showed a little vignette of. Champa laid up in his bed with his neck brace on, and the surgery was successful. And they explained the surgery. He I loved looked, all this. He looked miserable from start oh, to finish. He looked Poor pissed. guy. Oh, oh. Um, but they did call out the power bomb onto the concrete from the apron. I they didn't call it. They just put it in the video package at one point. I, you know, as an illustration of calling the calling it out without calling. Well, it out. They, they, the, these kinds of bumps are the yes. kinds of things that lead to this type of injury. It can and it's a can it's, it's, lead it's the, to yeah. It's it's the, I think we know that it's the same neck injury that uh, Edge, Stone Cold, Daniel Bryan, all of these guys. It's the same kind of neck injury, yeah. right? Yeah, he had to have uh, spinal fusion. Yep, what they're saying. They had to take bone out of his hip. Oh, ow, ow! But you know what? Here's the upside, Nick. Is that as much as that sucks, 
we got, and this is the same thing with Alistair Black when he was uh, injured in the middle of this feud as well. And they had to figure out like this whole other angle of who beat up Alistair Black, who took out Alistair Black. And it ended up being an awesome secondary feud between Alistair and Johnny Gargano. And, and it really told a lot, a lot about Johnny Gargano's character. And it was a really cool little side piece they did. Because of because of Alistair's injury, we got some abs, ab, some fantastic matches, some fantastic TV, and because of Ciampa's injury, now they're having to go in a new direction. And as a result, this week we got a fatal five way match uh, between. So, like you said, five guys, and one of them to go on and face Johnny Gargano at Takeover New York. And those five guys were Matt Riddle, Velveteen Dream, Alistair Black, Adam Cole, and Ricochet. So basically. This Half was time heat. This was the Battle of Los Angeles NXT right. edition with, sure. with Velveteen Dream showed uh, you know shoved in there as well. Um, you know, I good, good God, I've seen every one of these guys face each other <laughs> at PWG. But it was, but it, as you would expect, this was insane. This was a 15 minutes of just nonstop insanity, and just like halftime heat, which was the most watched NXT match in history, this was the kind of match that you could take anybody who'd never watched the product before and you show them the like from every, you show them everyone's entrances and they by the time everyone gets in the ring they'll know who they're rooting for and as the match goes on they will end up respecting everybody and their jaw will be on the floor at the same time this was an absolutely outstanding match the finish was killer it just it, oh it was outstanding outstanding match but the winner was, uh, by the way, Nick, can I, before I say what, who the winner was, can I just take a moment to say, I knew it! Adam Cole, baby! I knew it! It's the only one that makes sense. I know. Well, I, <laughs> that's why I knew it. It's the logical so, I mean, one. I, Everyone else I, had a program I, with, with Gargano and I was and watching it earlier with Esther, and I was like, yeah. you know, they could, they could really put this on anybody. You know, maybe they'll do it for Aleister Black because he has business with Johnny Gargano. It, Actually, no, it's going to be Adam Cole because yeah. everybody else is in a program already. Alistair Black's getting called up to the main roster and already had a program with Johnny Gargano. Ricochet's getting called up to the main roster uh, and has already had a, had a program. You uh, Just like just had a program with Johnny Gargano. Uh, let's see. You've got Matt Riddle, who's already in a program with Velveteen Dream. You have Velveteen Dream, who's already in a program with Matt Riddle, and he already has the North American title, and they're both in a program for the North American title. Adam Cole has gone on record as saying he's going to be draped in gold by the end of the year. It that made it was the only one that makes that made sense. And I love the way that it where once again Adam Cole just has Ricochet's number. The last time we saw it with well, the ladder match, remember the ladder match yep. for the first North American Championship? Same ending, same ending. Adam Cole Ricochet has it won, and Adam Cole sneaks in, takes out Ricochet, and wins. Same thing again here. Also, this was a great like match for no one who for anyone who had never seen Matt Riddle really go. This was a great one for he looked like a monster here. Yep. For everyone who was like, he's just the bro guy. No. <laughs> no. He had every he had at least three of those guys in the bro mission screaming oh, at yeah. one point. By the way, I've someone, someone said, Oh, I forget where I saw it. Someone said to me that the bro mission didn't look like it was a good submission. And I'm like, dude, you get put in a twister. You get put in a proper MMA twister, and you tell me if it's a proper submission. You feel the ribs, the muscles pull it off can, of your ribs. It can kill you. It can legit yeah. kill you. It's <laughs> like it's not even fun. Shayna Baszler won two of her matches in UFC with uh, with her version of a bro mission with with a twister. 
So yeah, come on. That's a that's a that's a bad move. That's a mean move. So anyway, um, there was the whole argument about like should a wrestling move, a wrestling submission move, look bad but not actually be bad, or should it you know be bad and not look bad as long as it's legit? You know what I mean? There's that whole yeah. argument. Uh, so that I say, I don't care. Matt Riddle can do it, and I'll believe it. Yeah. So. It was a great. Everyone looked great in this match. No one felt less in defeat. It was absolutely fantastic. Definitely the WWE match of the week. Once again on NXT, not surprisingly. We, we, we can't get out of NXT though without talking about my boys at the top of the show. Kona Reeves. No. Oh, sorry. The Forgotten Sons, because they they told you exactly why they're going to win the Dusty Classic and go on to face War Machine. We even got some words out of Jackson Riker. Yes, you poetic. Did. Yeah, poetic oh, words po- out of so, Jackson Riker. So poetic. And will be forgotten no more. Yes, no more. Yeah, like it, like Emerson, like a big hairy Emerson. That one. <laughs> yes. No. It, the, oh. Honestly, like so. The note I have in our notes here in our in our show notes was. Uh, I haven't even looked yet. What? It, uh, yeah, uh, I know you haven't looked at it yet. Let me, let me tell you what they are. So the, there was a little segment where Kona Reeves <laughs> and the Forgotten Sons both come out of a, a door backstage at Full Sail, and they get asked questions. Like, oh, you know, how are you doing? What's up? And Kona Reeves says, uh, yeah, oh, the main event tonight, it, it's good, but it's not the finest. And then the Forgotten Sons come out, and the, she says, oh, yeah, you know, how, what about the main event tonight? And they go, main event? What, do you, what about next week's main event? You forgot about us again? Did you already forget about the Forgotten Sons? Because we were forgetting getting forgotten about all over the place. Because you know people forget about the Forgotten Sons. Forgetful, yeah. For, little 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 bit forgetful. No more. And we'll be forgotten no more. The question I had in here was: Are these gimmicks problematic? Because let's let's face it, people have issues with the Forgotten Sons. You don't because you look like you could be brothers with them. Uh, but but Kona Reeves and the Forgotten Sons are are they're not they're gimmicks that aren't getting over with the crowd. Uh, is that is that because are, are you typecasting me as a forgotten son? You typecast yourself when you grew that beard and got your hair all long, sir. All right, I'm gonna start like throwing a bottle of water on my hair before we podcast and just having it hang hang in front of my face, creepy like Drew McIntyre. And your nonstop filleting of of Jackson Riker. Anyway, so the the thing is is you know, you got Kona Reeves who's not getting over because he can't stop saying finest. It's just too literal. It's too on the nose. It's happening all the time. The Forgotten Sons here are finally given a chance to speak, as you said. And each one of them said the word forgotten at least once, if not twice, if not three times. It's Is it just too literal? Are these gimmicks just too literal? You know what I mean? Like, Ricochet, every time you see him, it's getting to the point where Aleister Black is saying fade to black every time he cuts a promo, and it's getting to be a little bit much. But Ricochet doesn't, he doesn't use the same thing every time. Adam Cole does Adam Cole, baby. That's about it. But there's nothing quite as on the nose as these and that and they have nothing else but that at least that's how i feel about it uh i agree with you on on conor reeves this whole he it feels like he's trying to steal a little bit of velveteen dreams uh language or gimmicks or the way that he taught are you hitting on me are you are you you can't flirt with me i'm the finest you're not the finest. oh god he's ripping off gimmicks from about five different people and doing a terrible job at all of them yeah, it's it's really bad. I'm not even like honed in on the fact that he keeps saying the finest. It's just all bad. Yeah, it's all and, pretty And cringy. it's a shame because he's a big dude. He's, and he's got and some he, good wrestling moves too, although I've, you yeah. know, he's not the best in the world. They're not executed very well. But yeah, he's, he's not he's, the finest in the ring, but he's fine. No. He's fine. 
Anyway, is but that being said, as much as you know, I'm kind of kvetching about these gimmicks. It's developmental for a reason. Um, yeah. Do you feel like top to bottom? And obviously, you know, we may be losing uh, Ricochet and Alistair, but do you think this is the most stacked? And possibly Johnny, is this the most stacked that NXT has ever been? Like just yeah. in terms of like amount of talent, like that Fatal Five way. I mean, come on. I, I don't know. I go back to. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Seth Rollins and Shinsuke. And I mean, there was a time where, I mean, NXT has been stacked for a long time. I just, I feel like it wasn't anywhere near as dare I say mainstream as it is now. Well, but or at uh, least, it, it, you know, general knowledge of who the people are uh, in NXT amongst the wrestling fan base. I would argue that for a long time, you would have one or two like top indie guys or returning superstars or TNA guys. And after that, it was, you know, that was it. Like, then you had a bunch of developmental. This feels like the most just top-level guys they've had in the, in the like, and they're not even some of these guys in the title picture. You yeah. know what I mean? But they've just got so many top-level guys here who can go out there and just put on lights-out matches. Because they've, they've done the right thing, and they've, t- they've gone to building storylines before title opportunities so you're not where it's the other way around where you have to give somebody a title opportunity and then go back and build a story up so you're not one of those people that thinks that they are overstocked on indie talent right now like they just bought up too much indie talent and it's becoming nxt indie as opposed to their own developmental brand because they didn't develop any of these guys like with exception of like velveteen dream everyone in that fatal five way came out of the indie scene red hot no, it, it's you know the, what's the jump the shark. I mean, it's it's gotten to the point where now it's it's better than what it set out to be, and that happened almost accidentally. And I don't know if they went out and intended to buy up all of these guys for some strategic move to keep them from going to other promotions. But it at, we've reached this point of beauty where all of these guys are here at the exact same time, and it's all the stars have just aligned. I think. Mm. I mean, you couldn't have predicted Champa's injury. But they worked it really well with the DIY breakup. You couldn't have you couldn't have predicted the way that the last eighteen months uh, would have gone, even though we did with with the Tommaso <laughs> Champa and and Johnny Gargano. We didn't angle. predict it, Nick. They listened to us, and that was very nice of them to do. They, we couldn't have predicted that Ricochet was going to come over. Uh, I wouldn't have called that, to be honest with you. I I thought. I don't want to say he's above it, but I feel like he was above it. Well, and we're seeing that because he's going right up to the main roster after a few months. We we saw him the last time you and I saw him was on his last run at PWG, and it felt like his last. Yeah, his run. Battle of LA win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. It felt like his, I think he was done with with PWG, but I think he would. I saw him. But you know, it, it, whether it was, I didn't think he'd go to a developmental brand. I, I figured absolutely. he'd go straight to the main roster. No, uh, almost no one goes straight to the main roster anymore. I AJ think Styles? AJ Styles, he was the last one. He was I the last he one to do I it. I think he could have done it. I think he needed some. I think Ricochet had some holes in his game that needed fixing, and I, I, I can, I can see what they are. I felt like he had the criticisms around him that he was a spot monkey, needed to learn to sell, and needed to learn the WWE storytelling style. He also needed sure. to work on his promos, his WWE the style promos. shit angle, sure. And you know what? He has upped his game on his in-ring stuff. His promos, he's still working on, but his in-ring game has improved so much. That guy's ring IQ is incredible, and his ability to tell in-ring stories. I think Lucha Underground did a lot to help him with that. Looking at his old Japan stuff, he was kind of a spot monkey, and Lucha Underground helped him hone his storytelling for the in-ring stuff, and then WWE now has kind of brought it all together. 
I think that he has definitely learned a lot about how to build and execute a longer term match. Even though like all these guys, spot fests like the Fatal Five of this week are still their bread and butter, and I'm so glad that they are that it is because it's awesome. But learning how to work a match like he did against Johnny Gargano. The, the Gargano-Ricochet match was, in my opinion, one of the best worked matches that Ricochet has had maybe ever in terms of psychology, yeah. Yeah. in terms of in-ring psychology and selling and building up injuries and you know telling a story about who you are as a performer and showing that he's a guy who uses his athleticism as offensive weaponry. He's not doing it just to be flashy because there's guys who do it and it's just all flash. He's a guy that does it. And every time he does one of these big moves, he does it because that's how he, a littler guy is going to put offense on you. So that was the match where I feel like it really just crystallized. Anyway, let me, let me put it this way to tie a bow on the NXT stuff we were just talking about. It's March. And we've had at least three match of the year contenders already just in NXT. And I, I including the Fatal Five Way this week, I, I, it was fantastic. And, you know, if you go back to halftime heat, eh, eh. All right. You mentioned the Gargano Ricochet match. Pfft. Jesus Christ. It's only March. We haven't even gotten to Mania yet. Yeah. And there's, and, there's and been a I bunch can of already stuff. point out the, the sheer magnitude of excellence that's coming out of NXT is. is I, uh, unprecedented yeah, and, at this point. And you know what? NXT is the only place having great matches. It means we got to talk about 205 Live and New Japan right now because uh, there's also some good stuff happening over there. 205 Live, uh, this week you had Mike ben- uh, Kanellis beat uh, Akira Tozawa, so he keeps his job, which I guess is good for Kanellis. Maybe not so much for Tozawa, but hey, he's still in, on WWTV. There was rumors of him leaving. I guess those rumors are somewhat unfounded. Uh, and then also we had our finalist, we finally know who's going to be facing Buddy Murphy at WrestleMania because we had the finals of the tournament for the Cruiserweight Championship, number one contendership. Tony Nese versus Cedric Alexander, and they built this up over this show where Tony Nese basically said, look, I know we've traded wins before, but this time I'm a different guy, and I'm coming for you. And Cedric said, ain't nothing going to be different this time. But it was. Tony Nese, running knee, takes out Cedric Alexander. He is your new number one contender for the cruiserweight championship. And this is interesting because Tony Nese has slowly evolved into a face over all of this. And it was completed at the end of the show where former friend of his buddy Murphy, I was about to say former buddy of his, but that's just too much buddy in one sentence, former buddy, buddy Murphy just need his head off at the end of the show. Just killed him. Cedric and Cedric and Tony were shaking hands and everything was cool. And then buddy came out to raise his hand and he murdered him. So, um, this is, in my opinion, not the most exciting opponent for WrestleMania, but they have a couple of weeks to build it up to make it more exciting. And I think that these two guys will put on a fantastic match. I do too. So I absolutely do. Yeah. There was also a dig that, uh, on social media that, uh, that niece threw at him about him still being at home, babysitting a pig. <laughs> yeah. Was, that was, Which, uh, was, it, it was, was uh, very well, well played. Uh, Mr. yeah, he said that. Basically, so after getting need, he said, I will address WW, at WW Murphy another time when I can collect my thoughts. For now, it is all about me going to hashtag WrestleMania, and I won't let an ungrateful POS ruin that moment. Hell, if it wasn't for me, he would still be a, quote, best-kept secret at home babysitting a pig all day. No way to talk about Alexa Bliss. God. What? Or Terry. Or, or Terry. What? Anyway. Terry, Terry's the name of the pig. 
I don't know how you know that, but that's some serious trivia right there, my friend. Yeah. yeah. And he does side bumps. He d- are, no you, are you... It's hilarious. Go minute. look it up. Wait. Go find it. I'm wait, 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 wait. Are you secretly trolling Alexa Bliss's Facebook page? Or Instagram? Pa- okay. Uh, anyway, so next, hey, week, next, next week, week, Lucha House Party is oh facing God. off against uh, Drew Gulag, Jack Gallagher, and Humberto Carrillo. Yes, I. that should be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing where this whole Humberto Carrillo story is going because he was the, he's the guy I'm most excited about right now on 205 Live. The fact that he's with Gulak and Gallagher is interesting because he's still a face and they're not. So this should be an interesting dynamic. Curious to see what they have going on here. Uh, so I'll keep my eyes on that. But also this week, I was keeping my eyes on New Japan because Ooh. we are well into we're in the we're near the end of the New Japan Cup and it has been a lot of fun so far. Definitely some brackets busted. Uh, we had let's see, Kazuchika Okada. Defeated Will Ospreay in, unsurprisingly, an awesome match. Not as good as Jay White Ospreay. Dear God, go watch that. But uh, so Okada moves on. Also, unsurprisingly beating Yoshihashi is Tomohiro Ishii. So we are about to get Ishii versus Okada again. And Ishi- in the duh match of the block. Oh, man. <laughs> this, is, this, is the, this is what it comes down to. As, we, as you all know, I'm a Pitbull 141 fan, man. I am, I am all in on Ishii. He's beaten Okada before. He can do it again. Bite him. Bite young master, piss Pitbull. All right. So, there, so the question is, does Ishii upset Okada here? Uh, I think so. We hope so. so and go to the finals. In the finals, he will be facing one of two B people. B-Block is where my heart got broken. Your heart got broken big time because Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Kota Ibushi. Last year's winner upset Ibushi. Ibushi is out, but Zack Sabre Jr. then had to go face Hiroshi Tanahashi, and he lost to Tanahashi. So Sabre's out, Ibushi's out, Tanahashi is moving on. Uh, Colt Cabana is also out because Sonata, Sonata, who beat Minoru Suzuki, also beat Colt Cabana. Sonata is moving on to face Tanahashi. So Tanahashi and Sonata and uh, Okada and Ishii. Those are your four finalists. Oh, my goodness. Any, I mean, any combination except... Actually, no, I take it back. Any combination looks good there. Sonata, Okada, I'm not yeah. super hyped on. But, I mean, you know, Okada, Tanahashi is always going to be a classic. Tanahashi Ishii, Sonata Ishii. I could see Sonata being a dark horse and winning the whole thing too. I, I would. I think out of this this setup, I would love to see Ishii and Sonata. I agree. Being completely honest. I agree, and I I wonder because I, and and here's the thing. I'm gonna throw out a total fanboy speculation here. But if Sonata does win the New Japan Cup, I'm going to wonder if it's their way of saying, "Please don't leave us for WWE." Because he, <laughs> I'm serious, because he has said he, yeah. he would be interested in yep. going. And yep. you know WWE's got them pocketbooks right now. And they're looking for someone. They're looking for a big, handsome Japanese man who can speak English. So even though Sonata right now looks like some sort of psychotic billy goat with his gigantic blonde beard thing that's going on, his look right now is absolutely bizarre. Uh, I don't think WWE would care. He looks, I mean, he, he's very striking. So he could come out in WWE and people would immediately be like, who is that guy? So yeah, if he wins the, if he wins the cup, uh, yeah, I, 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 is, is speculating, there, is there, do speculating. We, do we get, 
Do we get Okada Tanahashi again here? I hope not because they've both won it before and they don't need it. They don't need it right now because yeah. then who goes on to face Juice? Tanahashi just faced him. Okada's faced him before. I mean, if they're going to continue the story, the the whole story of like chaos and the breakup of chaos and the fact that Juice betrayed Okada and left chaos to join Bullet Club, Okada's the one he has most you story mean Jay. with. Jay White. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okada has you the most. Juice. Did I say Juice? Oh, because well, well, I said Juice, and the reason I said Juice is because the finals of the of the the cup will also have a title match, a U.S. title match. Juice Robinson again the, against the guy who kicked him out of the of the uh, tournament, Chase Owens. Chase Owens beat him and uh, took that killed people's brackets. By the way, uh, so Juice versus Chase Owens for the U.S. title will be at the finals. But uh, anyway, that's Juice's story. But as Zach I said, Saber Junior killed mine. You dick. Yeah. Well, butthead. That's what he does. That's that's ZSJ Incorporated. Damn spider monkey. Yeah. Hey, little spider monkey. Get him. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I think Okada and Jay could be the best story. But man, I I want Ishii to get a title shot. That's my boy. Anyway, yep. that is your New Japan Roundup for now. We will have the finals of the New Japan Cup reported on uh, next week. Yes. Well, guys, it is time for the listener questions. Want to give a big shout-out to all of our patrons that chimed in this week. And if you would like to get your questions in on the show each and every week, head over to patreon.com slash BWO and sign up for that $5 or higher tier. And uh, you can get your questions in every single week, four-plus times a month for just $5 a month. We're going to start things off today with Jacob Yuhas. Uh, he says, with the 205 Live turning over, do you think Tony Nese was the best opponent for Buddy? Will Tony beat Buddy? Also, will it inevitably end up on the pre-show? And does any, <laughs> ma- any title match deserve to be on the pre-show if the match will warm up the crowd. Lots to think about in there. I think we, we're pretty clear on our positions on a few of them. I don't personally think any match that involves a championship should ever be on the pre-show period hard stop. Agreed. But if there has to be one, the 205 guys are pretty high energy to get the crowd pumped up. The problem is most of them aren't even in their seats yet. They're still in line at the frigging concession stand getting beers and hot dogs. Or t-shirts because they'll have special t-shirts for WrestleMania that are only released right. an hour before the show. And they're like, I can always go back and watch it on the network for nine ninety nine. I don't have to be there for the pre-show. See the problem here, WWE? Yeah, and I agree. It's it's and honestly, like we said before, the Cruiserweight Championship match being on the pre-show of WrestleMania is the reason why Neville and Austin Aries are no longer in the company. Well, that and Enzo Amore. So, yeah, I don't think it should be on the pre-show. It's it sucks. Uh, I don't think. So, any, do you? Think I agree. No, Tony Nese was the best opponent for for Buddy Murphy. Uh there's a story there. They can tell. They should have turned him face earlier. I think if they were going to do it right now, it's going to be awkward, and they're going to have to really redefine him over the next few weeks pretty quickly to get this going. Could he beat him? Yes, absolutely. Like I said, because of the story that that pre-exists there. Uh, they absolutely could have him beat him. Unfortunately, they've had Tony look like a, a, a loser for so long that they're going to have to do some very quick work to make you believe that he is that good. And frankly, him winning this tournament uh, is not its not there because of just how no. insanely dominant Buddy Murphy looks. And frankly, if it's on the pre-show, Buddy Murphy should retain. Yes. 
That's not only should they not have a title match on the pre-show, they should absolutely not change the title on the pre-show. Ugh, no. <laughs> but here's what I'll say. Of all of the opponents that Buddy Murphy's faced, I like this one. Yeah. I like Tony Nese to take the belt off of Buddy to be the one because of the potential of the story there, because of their background, exactly. because of the fourth wall opportunities well, that we've got here to tell the story. Yeah, and also the fact that Buddy Murphy can sell it on, uh, sorry, excuse me, Tony Nese can sell it on the fact that he knows Buddy Murphy inside and out. They work together, they're buddies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes. you know, he can say I can get into his head. There's, there's lots of ways they can get around it. And out of anybody to come in and do that, he's the one. Thank you for the question, Jacob. That was a really good one. On over to uh, to Ed. Sorry, you're, I, I don't know your last name, but thank you for your patronage. Mr. Ed. Ed. Mystery Ed. Mystery Ed. Mr. Mystery Ed? <laughs> Ed Mysterio. Ed, asks, Ed Mysterio. Well, he didn't ask. He proclaims kind of over Ronda. Uh, we already have a champion on Raw who does care about the championship, who doesn't care about the championship or the WWE. Why have two? They could have gone anywhere with her heel character and decided to copy and paste Brock Lesnar. Is there an overarching message between the two champions, or is just is this just that copy and paste? Ian? I, I definitely don't think it's copy and paste. I think that there's echoes, uh, but she is night and day different from Bro- Brock Lesnar. Block Brock Lesnar in a lot of things. Um, for instance, she. She disrespected the title by laying it down, but she's made it very clear that she respects it as a symbol of the person who is at the top of the game. And that's one thing that, that Paul has said about Brock, but it's more that Brock just, he's, it's, he's claimed it kind of like a dragon claims gold just because it's there, not because he actually wants it. Whereas Rhonda actually feel like she came back and was like, no, that's my title. Like she does actually feel like she wants that title as proof that she's the best. And that now her heel character feels a little bit more mercenary because she'll go anywhere that will allow her to prove that she's the quote baddest woman on the planet. So as as and she's on TV every week and she has yes. the open challenge and she's actively defending the title. Exactly. Night and day difference yes. from Brock Lesnar. I think the only thing that's the same is that she's the final they've made her into a kind of final boss character yeah. where she is She's massively protected. She looks like a killer all the time, that sort of thing. But even in that sense, I'd say that she sells a lot more than Brock does um, in, in her matches, in her title defenses. But yeah, I, I don't feel like she's that copy-paste of Brock. But the only thing is, it's hard to bring in someone from a shoot sport into WWE and not book them like a monster, as a killer, because they just come across that way. They, they naturally do, because they have been trained to take people out at the highest level. So I think it, it would be hard to not have echoes of Brock Lesnar in Ronda Rousey in that sense. So yeah. I'm, I, I'm not mad at that. I think if anything to be over about Ronda with is uh, the fact that they're, they haven't like, it's, it's very uneven. I, I, from what I understand, they originally did not want to have her be heel going into WrestleMania, and this was just a decision based on the fact that the crowd just turned on her because of Becky Lynch, and they yep. can't boo any, they can't cheer anyone that's not Becky Lynch. They have to boo everybody else, so they just decided, well, screw it, we'll turn Ronda heel, and that's very off-putting, especially you know because we're so used to smiley, happy Ronda. Yeah, so we'll go with weird. it this time, but we'll shove a heel Becky Lynch down your throats six, eight months ago. Well, they because tried. Because that's what we want to do. They tried, but they that didn't work either, and they had to change that. So yeah, True. Yeah. Good question, Ed. Thank you for that, and uh, welcome to the uh, the B-Dub Club. Oh, God. Uh, next no, question. No. Co- no. <laughs> uh, 
I'm going to keep doing that just to poke it in. Uh, Next question up is also one of our newer patrons, Trevor. Uh, Does Vince think that because the air was let out of the building after Daniel Bryan was announced that he thinks he's got us invested in Kofi? It was such a letdown again that Kofi did what was asked of him and got screwed. Love the show, guys. Thank you, Trevor. Um, I don't know here. Is is this a classic Vince screw you guys? I do what I want. Uh, or is it all just because of he knows that we're going to react? I think is what Trevor is asking here. Because he knows we're going to react this way, that he's not going to let us have what we want. It's WWE building that heat again. Got to have that heat. Um, I think this is absolutely uh, this. Is, that their thought was this will make them invest more in Kofi long term. And frankly, yep. they may be right. You know, if you look at this long term, not just the the not just this week how you're feeling right now, but look at where they're ultimately going to go with this. I think that ultimately this will play in their favor. Because when Kofi does get into WrestleMania, it'll it's the tension build. It'll be that much more of a release when it happens that they that he finally gets one over on Vince, that he finally outsmarts him, or he finally gets his match. It will be that much more of a release. It's kind of you know what a great way of of maybe comparis- comparing it. And this is for people who watch Game of Thrones. But uh, if you watch Game of Thrones, you know that's a show where the good guys just get beaten down for six seasons, and then finally in the sixth season, spoilers. They start getting theirs back. And when they finally, after all of that time of just misery, when they finally start getting some wins in, it feels so good. You're like, oh, God, finally. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Same theory here. And a lot of people dropped out of Game of Thrones because they couldn't take any more of their favorite people getting killed and seeing any more misery being inflicted upon these characters. They're like, I can't do it anymore. And that's the same thing with Kofi here. How much can you watch this man suffer? Uh, you know, how much are you, how much can you, will you let yourself invest? And WWE is challenging people's like, you better, you know, you better stick with this guy because we're going to challenge him. We're going to make him suffer. But at the end, they know that if they do it this much, they have to give you a payoff. If they don't give yep. you that payoff, that's when they screw up. You know what I mean? If this were the final thing, if now, if here's the thing, if right now, if they never went back to Kofi, and Kofi was put back in New Day, and nothing else ever. ever they never said anything else about it. That would be an, an enormous error and a huge mistake and a gigantic screw up. And then, absolutely, I, I think that that would be a mistake on Vince's part. Um, yeah. Kind of like how they've done Becky Lynch. Oh, I don't know about that yet, but um, to be determined. To be determined. So, but much in the same conversation. Yeah, I, I would. I think a lot of things you just said could be applied to Becky Lynch and her rise as well. Yeah. Was that all that Trevor had to, to ask us there? Or? That was, that was. Okay. Thank you, Trevor, for your question. Uh, moving on to uh, Andy Jessup. First off, a statement. I'm scared, guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the run-up for Mania has been so complicated and convoluted that I'm worried they are making the pay-per-view complicated and convoluted. Okay, that's better. I thought, I thought ever gonna, done that I thought he was going to say that Samoa Joe had his address. Oh, oh, Andy! Yeah. <laughs> oh, Andy! Did did you right. have that thought about Samoa Joe being Rey Mysterio's opponent when he brought his kid into it? And it's all great. We're getting another family angle out of Samoa Joe. I digress. I'll leave that one alone. Oh, Are the WWE booking themselves into a corner with Kofi? With all the obstacles they are throwing his way, it's inconceivable. He won't win, right? You use that word a lot. I don't think you know what it means. Or are the WWE going to not give us the most feel-good mania 
not give us him or Seth or Lynch as champions. I think there I think I posted this in the in the discussion group last week. Seth Rollins, Kofi Kingston, Becky Lynch. Pick can't have, two. Can't have all three win. Pick one. Pick <laughs> pick, pick one. Pick you one. might get two. Yeah. I, I don't so, I think they'd be foolish to to not give us any one of them to to do zero for three. But they would also I, I think it would be too much to give us all three. Of course. Um and there's, I there's no story left at that point. Right. <laughs> Everything is reset. And we're done. All right. Thanks, guys. Don't tune it's in tomorrow. It's been a good 30 years. Have a good yeah. time. <laughs> the dance off stage. Um, uh, yeah. No, I, I think that uh, the, they they have, in some ways, he's right, booked themselves into a corner. Um, but at the same time, like, that's a good problem to have, right? Uh, this is this is a good corner to be booked into. We've got three superstars that are extremely over yeah. right now, and they're going into championship opportunities, potentially, on Kofi's part. But it's... This is a great way to go into WrestleMania sure. with this much hype around three people, I, not just Roman and Reigns. And frankly, right? I think the only one that the only one in my opinion that really should win is Seth. Because yes. you know what I mean? Becky, you can have her not win and can, you know, Ronda can continue this feud and and you don't even have to have Becky pinned. You know what I mean? This can just be she can pin Charlotte. There can be something happening there. Becky cannot win the title here and there can be a lot more for her to do. She, Charlotte she can go get revenge on to eat this pin. Absolutely. Even Becky could afford to eat this pin on Ronda and then have to, you know, reset herself and, and find herself again. Um, Kofi could lose here and they could run a program to SummerSlam. You know what I mean? Like there's a, like he gets screwed. He could get screwed again at WrestleMania and this could, that could continue. So like I said, you could, you could run his suffering a long time, but um, you know, I, I don't think it's inconceivable that he will, yeah. uh, that he won't win. I think that it's very conceivable. I think it's very okay. conceivable that he would he would not win at WrestleMania, and they would continue making him suffer and work for it to SummerSlam and beyond. If they think he, yep. if they think that his program is hot enough, yeah, absolutely, he'll lose at WrestleMania. Yep. Thank you, Andy, for the question. Last but certainly not least, Mr. Eric Elledge, longtime fan and patron. Thank you, sir. Uh, with how the Kofi situation is playing out, this is a great opportunity for the New Day to drop the unicorns and rainbows. Huh? I thought about this. Allowing them to become a modern day nation of domination. Oh God! <laughs> Talk about a juxtaposition. Uh, do you guys think a faction like that would work in today's WWE? No. Also, who on the roster would you add to the group? Oh All right. God. So whether or not we think it's a good idea, let's play this hypothetical out. Originally, when the New Day came out, Xavier Woods had the idea to bring these preachy, churchy, gospel-y guys out uh, as heels. Yes. He originally wanted them to be heels. Vince's idea was to have yes. them be the, the gospel thing, and Xavier was just like, okay. So you found... We'll just oh, annoy them. What, what, was it, what was his line? I, I remember him talking about this, and he said, you know, Vince always has had, like, either you got the dancing black guys or you got, like, the angry black guys, like Nation of Domination. He's like... but I, I, and Vince says he's got something new. He's not going to do that. So there's no way it can be something else racist. That's all he ever does. It's the only other thing he does. It couldn't be something else racist that he has. And Vince goes, I want you guys to be preachers. And Xavier goes, oh, he found another one. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Can't all believe right, it. So let, let's play this out. They do come out and, and flip heel. And they turn into this, they, you know, they'll wear like the, the, the Africa pendants and the, oh, the colors, no. you know, and the nation of domination uh, stuff. And uh, it would be so bad. 
in today's it would be absolutely no. so bad in 2019. Oh my god, it'd be so bad. It would be so bad, especially oh god. Like there was some air of it of the fashion of it in the 90s to, that was it was allowed to pass. To be fair, <laughs> one of the reasons why I'm just like shriveled up in my seat over here going, "Oh god, no, don't do it." Is just I'm also thinking about Degeneration X's response to it. They all came out when they came out dressed as a nation of domination. It was like the most <laughs> <laughs> like that would ne- that would never fly. That would never fly today. X Pac in blackface and Triple H with like the fake eyebrow. Oh God, no. <sighs> um, modern. I'm gonna, modern I'm gonna go day- hard. No, that this would work. No, hard. <laughs> no, that it would work. Hard, I mean, it, it the the preacher thing. They had to move away from that really quickly too. And and the, and unfortunately, yeah. there Vince is stuck in a lot of kind of old tropes when it comes to building characters. It's a nice way of saying that he can be very racist if left to his own devices, um, just because that's his era uh, as much as anything, and he is kind of stuck in his ways. Um, so no, I don't think something as just blatantly obvious as like Louis Farrakhan type <laughs> group is going to work in modern day WWE. Do I think that they could work as monster heels? Sure. If they got angry enough, yes. Um, I don't think that you'd have to have that kind of racial tinge to it. They could just be really angry heels. And you could add, and if you but if you wanted to keep it, you know, an all African American faction and you add, you know, Lashley or something like that to it, um, or Shelton Benjamin, because he's not doing anything, then why not? Um, but at some point people are gonna look at that and go. Uh, eh, they're going to question it. That's just the nature of society today. And I hate to say it, uh, but that's, you know, people are going to scrutinize things more closely. And, and in some cases, maybe they should. And this would be a case where I, I would be like, yeah, no, you can't pull off nation of domination these days, even if you put Heath Slater in there, uh, yeah. you know, so yeah, but that being said, that, and I, I also don't think they're going like, to like to actually look at his question seriously because we joked for a second there. But but look, looking at it seriously, New Day dropping the unicorns and rainbows and going full heel, I think would be a lot like 2011 John Cena going heel. Could you do it? Yes. Should you? I would say from a business standpoint, it would not be best for business right no. now. Superface selling tons of merchandise. New Day, it, don't just don't kill the Golden Goose. They learned that with Austin. You know they turned him heel at the worst possible time. They could have sold three sixteen merchandise another five years, um, but the sales tanked. Well, I mean, the, frankly, they still are, but not on the level that they were. Oh no, you know, no, no, no. So that's my response to that. Yep. No, I, I agree with most of that. There was an air of the fashion of the 90s, too, of all of the multicolored and African culture being a big part of the 90s subculture as well that kind of got us past a lot of that. But yeah, today in 2019, no way. There there would be just overly dramatic like skepticism of and calling out of, of that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you said Shelton Benjamin. Uh, I don't know. Lashley, probably the only other one. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's our listener questions for this week. Uh, if you would like to get in your questions every single week, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of our awesome reward tiers over there, and you can get yours in. We're almost done here. We've got just enough time for our really quick lightning round. Beep, 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 beep. Take it away, Ian. Man, I said at the top of the show, I was going to need tons of time for this, and here we are. With, you got two minutes. Oh, okay, uh, there's no way, but I'll do what I can. 
So WWE is selling Titan Towers, the place that it's been at since the early 80s, and it is moving down the street, still in Stamford, Connecticut, but it is finally leaving its old digs and its production facilities and moving to somewhere nicer. They gave a whole little blurb about why, and I'm not going to read that now because I have no time, but basically, they're moving. Titan Towers will be no more. Probably be Titan Towers too. Say that five times fast. Uh, the body cam footage, the police body cam footage of Jimmy Uso getting arrested was released. Uh, it, it showed most of the whole thing. It didn't really show him quote squaring up to the cops, but you saw him take his shirt off and, uh, he was pretty hammered. You could tell he was, uh, he had had quite a few. He'd been on that gin and ooze. Uh, Naomi, however, looking like, like she was pretty all together with it. And overall you could see what the cops took him in. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting to see this all go down. Uh, but you know, it's it's behind them now. Uh, nothing didn't look like anything. You know, it was a lot of lot of to do about nothing. Uh, so they didn't tase him while he was performing a haka or anything. No, like but they did threaten to tase him when he took his shirt off. And <laughs> I don't know, big dude like that jumps out of a car and starts yelling at you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, not too surprising. About, about penitentiaries and stuff. Anyway, Pete right. Dunne uh, this week on NXT UK confirmed that he wants Walter. At TakeOver New York, Pete Dunn versus Walter for the UK Championship is official. It will be at TakeOver New York. That's awesome. We've been calling that for a couple months. It was the only logical choice, and it's going to be outstanding. Walter, ladies and gentlemen, Walter, Walter will be on NXT TakeOver. That's outstanding. Uh, Jeff Cobb versus Will Ospreay oh. is official. For the G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden, it will be for both of their titles, the Never Open Weight title and the Ring of Honor TV title. It is a two-title match. That's insane. That's going to be an out, outstanding match. Um, I'm, it's I'm crazy tingling. that it's for both at, titles. At, at those two guys. That's madness. The only downside was they spoiled the, <laughs> they spoiled the uh, New Japan Cup because they said that was going to be the match. <laughs> before Will Ospreay lost to, to Kazuchika Okada in the New Japan Cup. Whoops. Um, another match at the G1 Supercard that got confirmed was that Marty Skrull would face off against Matt Tavin and Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor Championship in a ladder match. That's mm. the main event. That's going to be outstanding. Villain Enterprises, speaking of Marty Skrull, will, uh, they defeated the Kingdom in Ring of Honor TV tapings, and they are now the new six-man tag champs. Uh, Villain Enterprises, at least PCO and, and Brody King, are currently the tag champs. So they are, if, if Skrull wins at G1 Supercard, they will be a draped in gold. Uh, mm. Speaking of draped in gold, David Starr, who, uh, mm. who a little while ago, we, uh, we reported he was having a match with Jay Lethal, supposedly for the Ring of Honor Championship, although like we said, that, that could change on April 4th. Uh, he's having a match in Israel. In Israel, uh, is a, 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 I don't have the full name in front of me, but it's for Passover. Um, he cut a promo. He released a promo calling out Sinclair Broadcasting for being, I mean, uh, an evil company. Uh, human rights violations. He called out Ring of Honor for not being about pure wrestling anymore because he's facing uh, not Jay Lethal but Black Machismo. Um, he just went off. And he was quickly taken down, according to him, by the, quote, powers that be. He took it down out of respect for the powers that be, but he still stands by what he says in it. Smells like work, but man, if that is some fourth wall kayfabe breaking, if that's the new kayfabe, that cut seriously deep. 
Uh, you I'll, can still find I, it. I promised I was going to stay away from this one, but what I will do is post something in the discussion group for you guys, video content to show you what kind of company Sinclair Broadcasting is. Ooh, Nick nice. Well, I did post the video in our discussion group. If you want to see what David Starr's promo was, by the way, killer promo. The dude was intense as oh, hell. Fantastic. Great promo. So check that out. It is in our discussion group right now. Uh, Josh Barnett. Josh Burnett, former MMA guy, guy who trained Shayna Baszler, former uh, play caller for Access TV for New Japan and friend of the show, is going to face Minoru Suzuki at Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, formerly Matt Riddle's Bloodsport, which will be going on on April 4th. Uh, Also at that event, Frank Mir versus Dan Severn, Timothy Thatcher versus Hideko Suzuki. Nice. Killer Cross versus Davey Boy Smith Jr. It's going to be an awesome event. Damn. Uh, there are a lot more about, uh, basically it's just going to be catch wrestling and uh, the end might be predetermined, but they're just going to f- have a fight. So yeah, ca- all for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> good, good stuff. Turn them loose. Let them go. Uh, riddle versus Suzuki last year was awesome. It was, it was just two guys trying to break each other's arms. It was fantastic. Uh, so good luck, Josh. Woo. Uh, Impact and OVW are now back as a, in a developmental agreement. OVW will be working as a developmental uh, production for Impact Wrestling, so that's kind of cool. Fantastic, yeah, it's good stuff. Impact's going to need it because a lot of those, a lot of the guys are getting poached right now. Uh, speaking of contracts, AJ Styles has renewed his contract. He will be with WWE, Sasha Banks. Come on, Sasha. He'll be with WWE for the foreseeable future, and uh, that's a good thing. Apparently, there was some interest from AEW, but the second that they realized he had no interest in them. Talks were called off. It was pretty much a gimme. He was going to stay with WWE. Also, right. speaking of which, DJ Z, uh, who you might know from uh, Progress and and uh, Evolve and so forth and, and MLW and AAW and Impact. And uh, he is going to NXT. Kind of funny that the, uh, the week after we lose TJP, we get DJ Z, uh, the, pretty much the only other Filipino wrestler I know. But he's a lot better. Actually, I don't know about that. TJP's yeah. really good too. TJP's I, pretty just, good. I hated his. I don't gimmick. know if I'd call him a lot better. I hated his gimmick. I really hated his yeah. gimmick. But DJZ's the video really, game kid. DJZ's really good. And he dabbed. He dabbed. The second he dabbed in his entrance, I was like, "You're done with me. I don't know you. Oh god, we're done." But DJZ's really good. Glad he's coming to NXT. He should be a good pickup. Uh, at Rey de Reyes for AAA, their big pay per view. The Young Bucks faced with the Lucha Brothers for the AAA Tag Team Titles and beat them. Young Bucks are now your AAA tag champions, so it would not surprise me if their match at Double or Nothing became a tag team championship match for the AAA titles, or if they unified them with the AEW titles. There's definitely some stuff going on with AE, with uh, AAA and AEW because Cody also came out during this pay-per-view, and he uh, cut a promo about how he'd love to bring big stars to AAA like Kenny Omega, like Chris Jericho. He was confronted by Conan, Rey Escorpion, Tejano Jr. and Taurus. There was a big scuffle, rumble, you know, typical thing. So it looks like there's some business getting done between uh, AAA and AEW. Should be interesting to see what comes out of that. Uh, Speaking of AAA, El Hijo de Fantasma, also known as King Cuerno on uh, Lucha Underground, has quit AAA, and he's now saying he's a free agent. I recently seen a lot of him on Impact. I'm curious we see him again on Impact. Or where he goes, I don't know uh, if he's interested. Maybe in court against uh, Lucha Underground. Uh, that's true. I, he, I think he has a better 
because he was one of the AAA guys, he has a better deal than some of the, the people who they picked up as independent wrestlers. So uh, I, th- I know he's already going to be suing them, but um, I, th- I think it's looking like he will, he will get some other dates. So, I mean, he's already worked for Impact, like I said. So I don't know about NXT yet because he's got, like you said, he has to clear his, his lucha dates. But uh, yeah, he who they Fantasma on his own. Gallows and Anderson, speaking of contracts, they have been pulled from live events. You are not going to see the Good Brothers. Uh, if you do, it's because they work something out because they are still trying to work out their contracts with WWE. They have until the fall. Somewhere in September, October, their contracts run out. So they don't have anything done by then. They too will be free agents. And Nick, we're calling it right now. They're going to AEW. And Anderson, AEW. Wait, oh, oh, it's too soon. Too soon. Uh, Adam Rose, a.k.a. Ray LePon, has retired from wrestling. He announced this week on his Instagram page Aww. that he is, he is quitting. Uh, but what about the Rosebuds? Uh, well, apparently the Rosebud lifestyle was not good for, for Mr. LePon. He had to quit drinking. Uh, he, had, uh, he had some troubles with the drugs and alcohol and is now turned to God. And apparently wrestling is no longer a, the kind of lifestyle that will help him lead the kind of lifestyle he needs to lead in order to stay sober. So they've all joined the no way Jose conga line. They have. Yes. The, all the rosebuds are now the Congans or I don't know. I don't even know what to call them. Finally on AEW news, Allie from impact has been confirmed to be signed by AEW. We're not sure if her contract is exclusive or not. So she's going this ongoing program with, with uh, Rosemary and, and uh, over an impact. So I don't know if that's going to continue or what's going to go on, but uh, Allie is signed with AEW, at least according to the latest uh, episode of Double or Nothing. So that is your news, Nick. <sighs> Good job. Didn't quite do it in two minutes, but we uh, we got it done. I we told you there's a lot of it. <laughs> what do you want from me, man? What do you want from me? Speed! All right, guys, that's our show. Well, the road to WrestleMania continues on as we uh, move on in the next couple of weeks. To get in on some of the action, make sure you're over in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. Send us a join request. We will get you right in. Also, follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. There'll be lots of live tweeting going on during, leading up to and during WrestleMania weekend for all of the fun festivities that weekend in New York. Uh, also, head over to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. We will be going live again very soon. I know we've been saying that a long time, but there's a reason, I promise. Uh, be sure to hit that notification bell anytime that, so that you get notified anytime that we go live or put up new content. And last but certainly not least, if you love our show and want to support us, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of our awesome reward tiers. Get some swag. Hang out with Nick and Surrey and Dangerous on Scape or submit your questions Ooh. every single week right here on the show. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And if I got to wear Drew McIntyre out with a steel chair all night long, then so be it. And you can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.